This is the Danger Close Podcast, Beyond the Books, with me, Jack Carr. Welcome to the Danger Close Podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Navy Federal Credit Union. My latest novel, Only the Dead, is on shelves right now. My guest today, Christian Schauf. He is the founder of Uncharted Supply Co., and you can find them at unchartedsupplyco.com. Known him for a while. Be sure and check them out. Had a great conversation. And now, without further ado, here's Christian. Christian, what's up, man? Man, good to be here. Here we are. Thank you for coming out. I mean, this is awesome. Oh, and there's the dogs. Yeah, yeah. We'll just have to see how this goes. We got both (laughs) dogs here. We have Baron and Scout, who've known each other for a few years now. Uh, Park City locals, and uh, got them together after uh, they haven't seen each other for a little bit. It's funny. I I met you through your wife, Mm -hmm. and it was right when I got Baron, and they were like, "Yeah, photo shoot." Had to do a photo. You guys were the family on the slopes. I think uh, (laughs) my daughter was out there too. (laughs) It was. uh, uh, just one of the kids or both or two kids out there two kids so yeah, yeah. so both both uh, oldest and youngest I think were out there and then uh, you my wife the dogs for a uh, was it Deer Valley or it was Deer Valley Deer Valley yeah. Yeah. for a little photo shoot which yeah. was uh, <laughs> awesome but uh, I think I had him with he was a puppy and she said we're getting one of those two which kind of a rare breed so it was yeah. just totally coincidental but yeah people always ask what kind of dog is that and yeah. uh or they say is that a, is that a bernese yeah and a like, oh, little uh, shorter yeah. hair yeah. uh swiss mountain dog and it's, it's interesting in a mountain town that uh people ask you know it seems like a very mountain town type of a dog they're the best uh, i've had a lot of breeds and uh they just kind of do everything well they're great uh, and i do want to ask you what happened with Baron last year? I mean, is it, is it, uh, it's a year and a couple months now. Yeah. And Baron was with a friend and, uh, I think I saw, I don't know if I got a text from you first or I got, I think I saw it on social first. Um, and, uh, Baron cover your ears. Uh, <laughs> fireworks went off and he took off. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you said last year because there's been a couple, a couple Baron incidents, uh, but, uh, no, this is the big one. This is the yeah. one that like days gone for days. Yep. You come back from your trip, you're living in your truck searching, uh, days are going by. I think I posted about it. Anybody sees this dog anywhere and, and, uh, you're out there looking and yeah, you know, so- did you ever lose hope? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, I'll tell you about that. So, so yeah, what happened was I went home to Wisconsin for 4th of July and a friend of mine said they'd, Oh, it's 4th of July for some reason in my head. Okay. Friend of mine said they'd watch Baron and you know, he hung out with him before they had a dog. I was like, yeah, no problem. Got a text on July 2nd saying, Hey, Baron ran off. And I said, he'll be back. And they said it was, it was yesterday. So, uh, Drove to Minneapolis, got a flight home. I, I have a like a little Pulsar handheld thermal scope and nice. an e-bike. And I'm like, I'm going to go find my dog. And um, it took six days, you know, and I, 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 when the sun came up on the first day, I'm like, okay, this is not good. Yeah. You know, like I've never not been able to find him. It just, you kind of have that bond with your dog. You feel like you know where they're going to be. Yeah. Um, but I learned, I learned so much about what happens, but you know, dogs dump, um, uh, a chemical in their brain when they freak out and it takes days for that to rebuild, but they go into a flight mode when that happens. So typically dogs, you won't find them for a few days. That's actually really normal because they will just go somewhere dark and small and, and hide until that rebuilds in their, in their brain. Really? So, you know, I didn't know that I'm riding around yelling his name, which is like the total opposite of what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to look for somebody that's seen your dog, put up Mm. a bunch of signs, you know, and sure enough, like the experts told me after 
five or six days, we started getting people texting saying, I think I saw this dog, you know, this big shiny black dog playing mm -hmm. with other dogs. I'm like, it sure sounds like him. And on day six, he came out on a golf course and laid down and I got about wow. seven phone calls in a minute and I wow. drove over and got him. But um, yeah, lost hope. Uh, I was asking everyone in Midway, which is where this happened. Uh, if they'd seen him and I went to a seven 11 and the, the gas station attendant got really nervous. He said, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but the night you say he went missing about three hours later, a cop came in and got two big garbage bags to pick up a big black dog that had been hit oh. by a car. And this was, you know, 10 blocks from where he'd been. Jeez. So I'm like, I just was like that that's him, you know, like I didn't know how it couldn't be. Um, and then, well, he, what the guy had said is a guy came in and then as I, pressed him he said it was a it was a police officer so then i figured out which department it was i called the department figured out who's on duty i found this police officer it took hours to get him to call back he was off that day um i texted him a picture and you know you're sitting there on the phone waiting for him to get that text of my dog and he goes no that wasn't the dog and so i i was that was the time where i was like okay well at least he's not out there injured or you know Jeez. but lo and behold this guy is uh it's pretty hard to kill. So oh, uh, he's still here. So scary. I mean, yeah. that is crazy. Um, and uh, I think it was just in Midway, just, just in a dark spot, just going around playing and man, I'd, to, I'd like to think he was out with running with a wolf pack and having the time of his life. But odds are he, you know, that was the second of July and then the third of July and the fourth of July, tons of fireworks, which is what set him off in the first mm. place. My, my guess is he was just kept hearing know, under a porch somewhere and just hanging on. So, Aaron. Jeez. Pretty wild, huh? That is so <laughs> crazy. And when you found him, when you posted that you found him, I was like, no way. Like, what oh. a crazy and you know, you, story. You shared it. Like, Andy Frisella, all these guys shared it. And uh, I, 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 was, I was just updating the same post because I didn't want to inundate people with all this stuff. But I knew people were really invested. But, you know, I was getting messages from New Zealand. <laughs> you know, did you find your dog? It, was, uh. it became like, it's amazing the, you know, human yeah. connection to an animal and how people just understood what that felt like. So oh, thank you for the, course. you know, for the push. Um, yeah, yeah, there was, course. there was a lot of people rooting for him. Jeez. And did he yeah. just walk out on a golf course, the midway, like that golf course up against the mountains down yeah, there? Yeah. The one that kind of goes, you know, on the road that goes up the hills. Yeah. Like he, yeah, he just, he walked it under the shade and laid by a, laid by a pond. And, um, I got, I literally, Damn. my phone just started ringing, ringing, ringing. And I had actually just gone back to my office in Park City. You know, it was like a work day. I was like, I need to go back for a few hours. And I turned right around and raced down, and, and there he was. So, oh, man. Pretty awesome. Dude, yeah. that is wild. And, uh, and, you, and you just have a new – I saw this morning you posted about a, uh, a new collar that had, can carry some things in there. And I know, Baron, you've had a rough run of it lately, <laughs> buddy, because was it, was it just a few months before that? Was it that the winter before that where he got – cut by somebody's ski so so we've we've skinned up together like yep. we skinned up yep. in uh, a mountain here and and uh i don't think scout came with us did you come with us? no nope, she wasn't no. with that time no it's just uh it's just barren yeah. and uh we went up there ski down but you know i, I, I was thinking about the skis because you know there's a dog there and they're kind of running around and you're skiing yep. down and yep. um so i was very cognizant to stay far away yeah, as I far mean, away as I could from a dog that might want to run up and play with you because you're moving and it's fun and they're bouncing through the snow and it's yeah. all that. Um, but uh, but where were you guys when uh, when he got he got cut pretty bad? Yeah, so we we literally do this almost every day in the winter. It's yeah. like our exercise, and I get up early, I go skin up, we ski down. He sleeps all day. He's happy. I'm happy. Um, nothing's ever even come close to happening. And then one day, I'd, I had a couple of buddies in town from from out west and. Uh, we skinned up 10420, which is out, you know, behind the montage up at the okay. right of the States. Yeah. 
and about, you know, we were, it was a little avalanche So we were skiing in groups and, you know, I had gone ahead with one person and then Baron had kind of followed me halfway. And then the next group was coming and he saw them coming and he got excited, excited, kind of jumped in front of him. And my, my buddy just ran into him. And, um, instantly I could just, I could just see the white snow turning red in spurts Jeez. and you know, he hit his front leg pretty hard. Oh. So I had one of our little uncharted triage kits with that. It's a really lightweight little first aid kit designed mm-hmm. just to kind of patch up and get you down. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, I made it like a makeshift tourniquet. I bandaged him up. I, I put him on my shoulders, uh, skied him down to my snowmobile, raced my snowmobile to the truck. You know, we'd called the vet. They were waiting for him and, um, came out, you know, came out an hour later and said, man, he, he had a couple minutes left and he would really? have been gone. And I don't know how you got him down here and how you did this, but just, you know, divine intervention that we, everything came together and, and, Jeez. uh, he lived, he lived for another day. So, Ugh, you know, Aaron, I, everybody gosh. said, uh, don't take your dog skiing anymore. I mean, that's, I think life's meant to be lived, right? You just got to be prepared for when those things happen. And, yeah. and so, yes, yeah, so we made this dog collar. It's kind of got all the stuff that I used and some more, okay. um, Cause it happens a lot, right? People are out here, especially in park city with their dogs running mountain biking and uh-huh. whether it's a porcupine or a cut, um, those little things can be pretty serious if you can't take care of them right away. So yeah. my goal is always to kind of to find places that people aren't thinking about solutions and uh-huh. try to find unique ways to do it. That's yeah, I'm going to try with my snake staff, snake staff systems tourniquet. I'm going to go see if I can, uh, it, it, on, on scout here and see if it's uh it works. That's one I carry with me more often than not. My kids mm-hmm. have like the cat ones, cat yep. tourniquet you know, in there. Um, so it's a little more robust, but this thing, they describe it as a, uh, tourniquet, uh, that you should think of as, uh, the same way you think of a subcompact pistol. Um, like if you're, if you're going to choose something to get in a gunfight with, you probably would choose something lar- larger, like an AR or right, a, right. <laughs> or a shotgun or right. something like that. But, uh, you're fight your way to that, to that, uh, rifle. Um, but, uh, if you're choosing a pistol, maybe the biggest one, if you're going to just pick it up and go and not carry it all the time. So if you have a subcompact pistol, just think of it in the, uh, this tourniquet in the same way. Yeah, they always um, say the best camera is the one in your hand, right? Yeah. So it's, exactly. it's that philosophy. We, we've been pushing, um, do you know what a Slishman wrap is? No. So that's a new thing that we've been selling a lot of, but it, it's kind of a compression wrap that can wrap tight enough to work like a tourniquet, but it's also good if you have open wounds or for compression. Oh, then I probably do. Or, is it uh, like a rubber thing? What's, What's the, what are they using surgeries that, uh, cause I carry some of that too. I can't remember the name of it right yeah, now. Yeah, I know it's what like you a, mean there. That's, it's not that, but it's, okay. it's similar. It's just a long thing. You can just keep wrapping mm-hmm. and keep applying pressure. And you know, the nice thing about that is it takes a little less training and it's probably a little less uh, opportunity to do something wrong. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, look, we live in a world where I think everybody should have the training and have the stuff. That's, that's my whole kind of life mission, but it just, most people don't. So yeah. it's good that. It's good to have something for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to get uh, one of those collars because uh, of here with the porcupines and they're big. Like that, <laughs> those things are like I scout has not run into one yet. Thank goodness. But, um, but uh, I mean, she's seen them and then she's just freezes yeah. and they kind of, you know, move off. But uh, very, I can absolutely see her coming back with a, uh, you know, face full of quills. So we had that happen once and um, got them all out of him. And then about six months later, when I was out shed hunting, mm-hmm. Baron came running up to me all kind of, I could tell he was into something and he had one porcupine oh, just sticking one. out of his nose. Okay. <laughs> we haven't had a problem since. So okay. You learned. Sometimes you mess with a bull, you get the horns, you kind of don't get on that path again. But Baron, you got to chill out, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Take some lessons from Scout. Just chill out. You know? <laughs> no. Oh, sorry, Scout. I mentioned your name. Yeah. Sit. You want to sit? Sit. We're recording, Scout. Sit. <laughs> Sit. Show everybody how good you are. 
Yeah, oh awesome. my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh. But uh, let's talk Uncharted. Yeah. Like, where did this, uh, this come from? Uh, well, you, and you grew up like, like you had these dogs search and rescue dogs and all that sort of thing. Like where did, where did all this begin? I grew up on a farm in Wisconsin. Yeah. Um, you know, I just grew up around really capable people, whether it's my dad or my grandpa, or the people that worked on the farm. And, uh, you know, that was just my normal life for 20 or 18 years and went to college, started playing in a band. Um, you know how that's applicable to this story is we ended up getting asked by armed forces entertainment to go play for the troops during mm. OIF OEF that turned into 40 tours. So, wow. um, and then, and then sending a bunch of other groups. So my brother and I had a band and we, you know, after the first trip over there, we found that all the JSSs and FOBs joint security stations, forward operating bases yeah. weren't getting entertainment because, uh, it was too dangerous to convoy. Um, and all the gear that they were using was from Kuwait and these big old Motley Crue style speakers, which would only fit in like a C-130 or C-17, oh which yeah. meant they could only go where there's landing strips. Okay. So at the time, you know, we were working with the guys from, uh, from Prince's band and stuff in Minneapolis and we had access to really, really good sound engineers. And we went back, we measured the inside of a Blackhawk and went home and said, can we build a, a speaker system for a band that fit into, no into this? And so we developed that and, um, one thing led to another and suddenly we were just sending all, I mean, Hoobastank and System of a Down and the Spin Doctors and the Pussycat Dolls and our band and Action Sports. We did a thing called Bikes Over Baghdad. So What? Bikes Over Baghdad? So yeah, so for like eight years of my life, we were just providing entertainment um, for OIF, OIF. Bikes Over Baghdad was cool. I, I had a lot of friends that were involved in X Games type stuff. Uh -huh. And I was trying to take like a skateboard exhibition over there and... Um, skateboards don't work well with that concrete it's all uh, busted up right okay. but bmx bikes did okay and uh my buddy nate wessel um was like hey i can just build a park every day so we would go to bases and build a small park and we'd take over all the x games bmx guys and put on these shows really and, um, it's a very nitro circus-esque okay but, um they were really fun man the troops just loved it and so that's what i did for almost a decade it was like travel back and forth and do these things so no way uh kind of wild yeah Dang. And then, uh, it, so where did, uh, Uncharted come from? Well, I mean, so, you know, grew up on a farm, did all that. Yeah. What, um, about, what about the search and rescue dogs? Like what was that all well, about? Well, no, I mean, we, we raised German shepherds that would get sent out okay. to, to do this stuff. We didn't train those dogs for search and rescue when I was growing up. My mom does now. Okay. So my mom who's, you know, 70 is just a badass and she's okay. out there hiking through you know, swamps in Northern Wisconsin, finding people that have lost their way with dementia or whatever. Really? She has a dog named Indy. And so she does a lot of that. Um, we did basic dog training, but, um, you know, we're just always kind of trying to be helpful as humans. And if there's a tornado, <laughs> we would, if we, there was a tornado in town, uh, you know, my, my dad was always the first one to load up chainsaws and go over there and help. And okay. we'd plow the neighborhood out when it snowed. And that's how I, that's how I live. And then we moved to, uh, I moved to California for a job. Um, and it was such an abrupt change in society. Yeah. Um, you know, when there was a storm in Wisconsin, people would look out for each other. And, and, and I hate to, you know, I'm not trying to trash anybody out there, but it was a lot of like every man for himself in California. People okay. wouldn't go outside or, you know, it just, it was, it was funny how such small things, in my opinion, would disrupt yeah. kind of everyday life over there. So where were you in California? Uh, Newport Beach okay. and then Venice. And so it just kind of kept like hitting me across the head that, wow, like, people are really dependent on somebody else to fix these problems, whether yeah. it's AAA or Amazon prime or um, just a, you know, emergency response teams or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, Charles Darwin is, is famous for talking about survival of the fittest, but what he spent most of his time on was the power of community and how any, any time humans got through anything, 
it was by working together, whether mm-hmm. it was bringing down a woolly mammoth or fighting off an invading army. And uh, I don't think I have to tell you, our society has gone away from that in a big way. So, you know, my mission was like, how do we start making people not only self-sufficient, but how do we make them come from a place of abundance where it's like, okay, I'm, I'm good. Let me help my neighbor. Yeah. And I think if you do that at scale, you can really make a difference. So that was really where the whole idea for Uncharted came from was like, how can we, how can we get people going down that path? And yeah. the path I chose, you know, was, was to develop product. So yeah. my thesis was a lot of people aren't going to spend a week taking a class. Mm-hmm. You know, people want to buy a product and know, know yeah. that, Training is obviously the best. I completely will always say that. If you can train and do that frequently, 100% the right way to go. But for a lot of people, it's just, it's, it's tough. So what's yeah. the in-between there? And, um, you know, we build product that's not only high quality, but it's completely organized and there's, there's professional instruction in there and it's very simple. Uh-huh. Um, I always said the limit te- limits test for me was if you had a 10-year-old son and you weren't there, yeah. could you give him this product and it would make a difference for him? Right. You know, like simple, lightweight, effective. And... Fast forward, I don't know, five or six years, here we are, and we've got a bunch of different products and making a go at it. So it's been five years. Interesting. So so you started it very, around the same time we, we met then. It was pretty pretty new. Yeah, it was pretty new. I just moved out here. Um, From so California? I, yeah, Cal- yeah. So I, I did an Indiegogo campaign, and we set a record there, and then we got oh, invited, wow. invited on Shark Tank. And oh, sold I a, about this a shark ton. Tank. Yeah. And then it was like, I needed to hire people, but I knew if I hired some, you know, I started hiring people in California, I'd kind of be stuck there. And I'd always wanted to live in the mountains. So it was time to move and nice. Yeah. Grabbed a place and came out here and set up shop. No way. Yeah. Man, did you get stuck at some point, uh, in your life where you were like, uh, man, I wish I had X, Y, or Z that, uh, kind of formed a foundation, um, other than California. Do you have some other, some near, near death experiences or, uh, survival situations, uh, along the way? You know, I've had, I've had a lot of amazing experience, whether it's through hunting or growing up on the farm or the stuff we'd go through, you know, in the middle East, when I take those groups over, I was responsible for them. And as you know, you get on some Blackhawks and leave Camp Victory and, and you know, you'd fly into some base and then you're there for three days when you mm. thought you'd be there for three hours. So, um, I learned a lot from those types of things. I've climbed a bunch of mountains. I've, you know, I've run triathlons, like all of that stuff kind of dovetailed into just, um, into general preparedness. I'd never consider myself like a very, like a, like a John Barklow that we right. were talking about earlier. Yeah, yeah. Like I, John I really, Barklow at Sitka, shout yeah, out Navy yeah. diver. I no, yeah, I, I just saw him last week and, uh, up in, up in Bozeman. Yeah. And, uh, he's got a wealth of knowledge. He's got, he, uh, knowledge from storms is his, uh, it's his, um, yep. website now and newsletter and his mission planning stuff going on. So people should definitely check that out too. Yeah. And, and, and that's an expert. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I kind of sometimes yeah, yeah. feel like, uh, is it office space for the guys like the guy that goes from the engineers to the customers? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I do think my skill set has always been communication, but I have a lot of experience here too. So I, I think what I'm what I've been able to do or what we're trying to do is take that expert information and, and distill it down to a way that's effective for as wide of a group of people as possible. Yeah. You know, um, I'm not talking to guys guys like you, you know, a lot of you guys buy our gear and that that really makes me proud but the goal was always for the people that didn't have that experience like how do we help them improve the situation right and what happened with us and then 
COVID hit. So is that this is COVID hits what three years into your two yeah. years into your in, uh, down the path? Uh, what did that do to the business? I, I think we sold everything we had in two weeks, mm. <laughs> and then we had nothing for about eight months. So, oh my gosh, really? Um, it it you know supply chains were an issue. Yeah, I, I mean in our kits are N99 air masks, mm. and of course if you remember COVID, everybody needed an N95, and then there was a bunch of fakes out there. So even you know when you build a survival kit that has forty pieces in it. And one of them can still slow up the whole show. Yeah. And okay. like, you know, we'd have this thing where got like the it. air masks will be here in two days. Now it's two months. And oh. now we got to ship them back and put a sticker on every single one of them that says that they are actually what they are. And oh, wow. It was just, there was so much going on. Yeah. Um, it's funny. All my friends are like, that was the best. You know, I got to sit home and hang out <laughs> and I've never been busier in my life. Yeah. Um, yeah. You didn't go, you didn't get a spot down in, uh, in Salt Lake or something to, for. <clears throat> so, yeah. So, Remember when there was businesses that were essential, right? And everything else would be forced to close. Well, we found a, a business down, a Cotopaxi down in Salt Lake that had a warehouse and they, they found a way to be essential mm. knowing. And so we knew their warehouse would stay open. Okay. So we quickly made a deal with them to move into their warehouse okay. so we could keep working is what it did. And um, I think we grew out that, outgrew that in three or four months. Really? Our warehouse is elsewhere now, but. Uh, oh, geez. It's entrepreneurship, as you know. It's just it's just hustling. It's just finding paths forward and Let's go go go. Yeah, like any yeah. business. I mean, like, like writing, people think you just write um, for the most. That's what I thought up until I actually uh, did it about a month before the first book launch in 2018. That's when it really came home, meaning I realized that, hey, this is more than just the writing. You have to have the product, just like your product has to be the best it can possibly be. Yep. Uh, same thing with uh, with the books. The book has to be the best book that it can possibly be. And then you have to do all the other stuff. That I, you I remember when you were talking about setting up your social media accounts. Yeah. <laughs> like, I remember when you were like, oh, I haven't really done this before. I've decided yep. to get into it. I don't it. know no, what I'm huge. doing. It but. is. And you have to, I mean, today it's, uh, that's your, that's your storefront. Yep. You know, and I looked at it like, uh, I looked at it like, hey, this is, Small town USA, this is my general store. And if someone's walking by and wants directions, you know, back to the interstate or something like that, then uh, they walk into my store and I'm there behind the counter or I'm restocking the shelf or whatever. I'm going to give them directions back to the interstate. Maybe they buy a candy bar. Maybe they, maybe they don't, Um, but you're just being a a good neighbor and and helping them out. Or somebody comes in and they want to buy a bunch of, bunch of stuff from your, because they rent in a place there or they live there or whatever it might be. So I looked at social media the same way. Like this is a a modern day storefront and someone is walking by on the sidewalk and this is your window that yep. you have into whatever your product may be. In my case, it's the books. Um, in your case, it's this, this product, the survival products. Um, and social media is a place for me to, uh, engage with those customers, no matter yeah. what they want. If they have a question about something, whether it relates to <laughs> the post or what I'm doing or not, um, uh, or if they want to talk about the book or ask about the book or make a comment on the book or whatever else. So I kind of looked at it in, in those terms. Like if you're a small town USA general store, you want to add value. Yeah. Uh, to that yep. community. And uh, so I looked at, at social media uh, the same way. Like I want to add value to people's lives throughout the year through whatever I'm posting, whatever I'm doing. Same thing with this podcast, same thing with uh, blogs, whatever it might be, the website, uh, so that uh, you're adding this value so that today you can have that connection Absolutely. with someone that you couldn't have had in 1985 it's, or It's about communication two ways too, right? Like some people think they can just post and go away and, yeah. um, you know, you do a good job of that. Like you have to, you have to engage and it, it becomes actually social if you're doing it correctly. Um, yeah. I think of Uncharted's account as like, as our, as our storefront, just like you do. And I think of my personal account as like my resume, you know, people okay. dig into the business and they go, well, who's running this thing? And, 
you know, what's he all about? Right. I think if I was living a life of comfort, they might not believe the brand as much as right. if they go to my account now and see kind of an outdoor yeah. style trying to do things and yeah. push things. And, and yours is, I mean, yours is authentic. Like we know each other and mm -hmm. we were talking snowmobiles before this and yep. uh, you know how you look like, you know what you're doing. Just like Austin over <laughs> here, he knows what he's doing. You guys know what you're doing with these things. Um, I just go out and get stuck on a, uh, <laughs> on a snow. It's like in the powder. I just get out there and you guys know what you're doing. You've been doing this for a while. You're floating over the powder and you're doing, it looks amazing. Um, although I did on a, uh, I went out on a, on a bike. What do you call the bikes that you, you fit with the, with the oh, yeah, snow bike. Snow, yeah. Snow yeah bike. With the ski in the front. Yeah. So I did that. It was a, was it a KTM? It was a Husky. It was a Husky. Uh, and it was awesome in the powder oh, yeah. like that. Those like, cause I, cause I, I'm not, you know, I'm okay. I'm, I've been riding motorcycles for a while. It doesn't necessarily mean I know what I'm doing, but I've been riding them for a long time. And on that, uh, snow bike, um, on, on that KTM, I forget what, how big it was, but regardless, uh, on the trail, it was a little, you know, you slide, I slide in a little bit. As soon as I got the powder with that thing, mm -hmm. It was awesome. I felt so comfortable with that yeah. thing in the powder, much more than I do on a um, on a snow machine, on a sled, and snowmobile. For people listening, yeah. I felt much more comfortable on that KTM with that whatever that. Well, you, you ride motorcycles, so it's just a it's a there's a translation there, right? It's a very it similar, good. yeah. But the dirty secret, we all get stuck, man. Don't don't <laughs> kid yourself. I, I just go out, I immediately get stuck, and I end up just getting a great workout by digging these things out. You know, I don't think there's out. a harder workout than digging out a snowmobile when it's bottomless. Uh -huh. I mean, there's there's nothing to push against. That's it's, my experience. And then I'm out there forever, and then I'm like, oh, geez, I wasn't riding today. I was out here just like digging, digging. And, yeah. And I don't really, I'm not, don't feel like I got any better at this. Right, uh, right. And then uh, around here, there's the whole avalanche uh, uh, thing around here, and I grew up doing the avalanche stuff in Northern California. So I, I gosh, I took an avalanche course high school, I guess, but, uh, it, it, it evolved so much. And now when I come out, when I came out here, I did it again, did the, uh, I forget what, whatever they call that first level, maybe whatever it is, yeah. which no, really just no tells me, go, and then there's yeah, there, yeah, it was the other one, whatever the one, the multiple day one. And it, mm -hmm. it was awesome. Got to spend a, a little time in the back country after that skiing is kind of like your graduation exercise. Um, but, uh, it, it really just tells me I need to go with someone who does this like it's their thing. It's, you know? I, I'm on the Utah Avalanche Center Board of Directors. And, I, you know, I, I would consider myself fairly experienced out there, but yeah. reading all the reports when these things happen and how many times people were doing it right and it still, mm, happened, still happens. It's nature is wild, right? Anything can happen. Yeah. And um, the more you're out there, I think the more respect you have yeah. for all the things that can go wrong. So, like you, it's like there are a handful of guys in this town that I will, yeah. I will go deep with. Right. And those guys, I would. I would trust them into any dark night anywhere, right? Yep. It's like those guys that anybody else, I just, if it's, if it's even a little suspect, I just tell yeah. my friends like, look, we're not doing it. It's not worth it. Right. Um, we'll go another day. So yeah. I think it's one of those things like, like learning to fly. Like I always, you know, my growing up, I always wanted to learn to fly one day, but I think it needs to be like your thing. Like that's what you do while you're learning. It's not like the thing you do on the side that you're like rushing out to get to, or you're right. cramming right. for because you have so much else right. going on. Uh, like, I think that has to be your thing for a certain amount of time, whatever that is. And, uh, until you really become proficient where you're not distracted by all these other things that are going on. My I brother's think. a pilot. He's a pilot license in a small plane. And, um, He's also hyper detail oriented and okay. I'm not, you okay. know, I always go, so let, go. That, let that guy fly. Yeah. Like that's his thing. Totally yeah. uh, detail oriented. That's their main thing in life is flying. Like yeah. that's why I want to fly me around. I don't want to dabble. I don't want the pilot that would just dabbles kind of on the side and got their license. Like, barely maybe like right. just passed. That's not, uh, not who I'm looking for. Well, and you've been up in Alaska hunting too and taking those planes that are yeah. basically just oh, like so awesome paper and a frame and, yeah. and, the skill level and it's the incredible. experience and 
man, if I was going to be at that level of comfort doing it myself, I'd have to dedicate my whole life to whole it. Life, and so I'm just going to have the Diet Coke and watch a movie yeah. and recline and, and enjoy those couple hours. I think so. Know? I think so. <laughs> Maybe later in life I'll think differently and sure. uh, be able to devote you know years to it and have that be my thing. But in the meantime, uh, I think it's, uh, yeah, hire, go with the best. Hire, yep. the, hire the best pilot. You know, the guy that, yeah. that's, that's, that's their life. Uh, was it two years ago? When did you um, head off into uh, Colorado? You did a ski trip in Colorado. Um, not too long ago, I think. Oh uh, man, we do a couple a year. Um, the one where you, you had it th- that, like you guys got stuck in a in a, yeah. in a blizzard or something. <clears throat> so happened. we um, we left Aspen for a hut called Friends Hut. So the tenth Mountain Division in, in Colorado has a bunch of huts that are just off the grid, and you can rent them for a day or two days or whatever. So I was with a group of just awesome skiers. Julian Carr is a good buddy of mine. He's a pro skier, mm. and incredible guy, and just knows the backcountry. And um, yeah, we had four snowmobiles and about twelve people. Um, I was definitely the most experienced snowmobiler, but we went all day. It was like a New Year's thing, right? Okay, so we, we spent all day getting out there, and it snowed a ton. There were no tracks. We were using GPS to kind of find our way. Cold, windy, just hard. And yeah. we got to probably a half, three-quarters of a mile from the hut. We could see it. It was kind of down a slope and up a slope. Yeah. And we got up to the top of this ridge, and the, the snowpack was kind of whomping, you know, making that pre-avalanche okay. noise. And it's like eight o'clock at night. We've been going all day and we're like, we're going back. And we turned around and went all the way back to the trucks that night. Never went to the hut. Okay. Uh, Made it to New Year's in some like Hampton Inn in in Rifle, Colorado. And drank a bottle of champagne together. And it's like, we're all alive. It's cool. Yeah. You know, but um, yeah, those are the things you just... You hear about these guys, right? They're mountain climbing. They, they turn back 200, 200 yards from the top. And if yeah. you've never done that, you might be like, well, that's crazy. But it can be life or death. Yeah. I can. And I just don't want to mess with that. I got right. too much to do that right. I want to do. Yeah. No. Did you make that decision or do you have some other people out there that were... Because that's a lot of people to take in, especially if they're not experienced, especially at night, especially now tired uh, near the end of a day. That's a... It's a group decision, but it's also a decision we made early. Mm. So before you leave, it's like... We all agree that if this happens, this is what we're doing. You know, no go criteria. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I um, it makes me think of my my buddy, Doctor Eric Meyer, was on a K two expedition. Um, there was a documentary called The Summit uh, that was that was made about this. It was the deadliest day in mountaineering history, and he's told me the story personally, where you know it's the last day, it's a summit attempt, and he said, "Look, all the things we agreed to, half of them." are not happening. So I'm mm. not going. And there was so much money on the line for a bunch of these spon- sponsored oh, athletes. Wow. They went and a ton of them died. Oh. And so I, that always like lives in my head a little, yeah. you know, like not that I'm sponsored to do it, but you got to make sure everything's aligned if you're going to go for it because yeah. mother nature does not screw around. Nope. Nope, man. And even if you are prepared, you know, like I feel like we're fairly prepared around here, Very um, much. you know, but, uh, but still, uh, and then, and then it comes down to that, that training. Yep. Um, and th- today it makes so much sense to invest in, and there's so many great companies out there that are providing that training. Uh, companies that provide medical gear also provide the training yeah. now in, yeah. in many cases. So they, yep. they go together, uh, different, uh, firearm instruction courses also have, uh, battlefield trauma type stuff. We can learn about the tourniquets and stop the bleed and, and all that sort of a thing. Um, it's still amazing how many people don't have, have like fire extinguishers, you know, in the house and, and that sort of a thing or know how to use them that, that sort of that even better, you know, you gotta know how to use them take the kids out, take the babysitter out, um, all, all that sort of thing. But, uh, there's so much, so much to it. And COVID did, I think for a minute anyway, make people kind of evaluate how prepared they were, yeah. but it seems like most everybody 
just kind of went back to, to normal. We, um, we live a very, very doing, comfortable Scout? existence. What are you I, think, doing? I think Scout's flirting. Is what are you happening. doing? Scout. <laughs> she just loves getting love. I mean, she just, Oh yeah, I know. Yeah. People here, you could. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, no. people get them. You get very comfortable, very safe in this country. We have been very safe in this country for um, uh, compared to the rest of the world for a, well, quite a while. It breeds uh, complacency. Calling nine one one. Yeah, there's yeah. always a solution like right around the corner. You push a button, and until there's not, yeah. I think we saw that with COVID. Right when yeah. suddenly you just couldn't get things you've always had access to. It. I mean, I, I don't think we were very far from a pretty interesting moment in time there yeah. you know if supply chains would have really stopped yeah and that food you control that it can either control that food or it's just not there um like in the beginning of covid when people were worried about that uh, so people did evaluate it. i've got so many calls from people in california asking <laughs> me about uh you know firearms uh and oh, yeah. then how shocked they were they couldn't just walk in and walk out with one right like, right. like what i guess they weren't paying attention for uh, the last 20 30 years or well, they've been voting away uh that uh where where people put in place certain regulations or, or laws that uh, that restrict that right now they're shocked because they've yeah. been told on the news how easy it is and then they walk in and it's not they're like no hey waiting period oh and by the way you also cannot order any ammo and we're out yeah. uh, we can't order it here to this maybe it's a city or whatever it is in california um uh, and all of a sudden you're like wait a sec what well, I, I thought I could just walk in and walk out with this thing and they're shocked. I know, you know, know. and there's so many people, so many of my friends said people in California were asking them to send guns. Can you give me one? Like, no, yeah. you, that's, that's not just how it works. A couple of Glocks yeah, to just, California. Yeah, just, that works out. Exactly. Uh, yeah. You need to uh, think about these things before you vote. Uh, and anyway, well, I don't know if you're like me. I, I, so many people have said, have told me like, well, you know, my plan is I'm going to come live with you. And I'm like, yeah. When people say that, I'm like, sorry, mm, bud. Mm, mm. <laughs> no. I, I met you like two hours ago. Right. Like, right. I've known you for 30 minutes. Unless uh, you're like, unless you're a real contributor, like those guys that I trust in the mountains, I, you know, you better be bringing something to the table because things yep. can change quickly and it's, yep. it's going to be interesting. So. Yeah. That's what I like about up here. It's uh, so it's, you know, fairly private for park city, uh, really kind of the same mindset. They want to be mm -hmm. left alone. Uh, they're prepared yep. uh, up here because you have to be prepared anyway for just getting snowed in for, sure. for a couple of days up here or rescuing somebody that slides off the road that's visiting or whatever else it, it might be. Uh, so the cars here, we have, uh, I got the max tracks in there and up here, the max tracks along with, uh, uh, toe strap, uh, little snatch strap, uh, shovel like that was, that solved pretty much 90, maybe even 95% yeah. of just yeah. the, just the slide off the road into the ditch situation. Yeah. Um, I had all the other stuff as well. Um, of course the bag, we've got to have clothes in there. I have puffy jackets, puffy pants, socks, uh, food, jet boil, uh, yeah. you know, like all that stuff, uh, as well. Uh, some, uh, make, way to make fire, like all that stuff is in there, you know, just, uh, just in case, but really max tracks in a shovel, uh, and a toe strap, like you're, you're better than most anybody else out there. I've gotten to be a big winch guy too. Oh, you've been using the winch? Yeah. Well, I put Are one you on using my it because you, because you want to just use it or because, uh, or because you actually need to use it? I, I've, I've been buried up to my frame with my truck a few times now where like. With the Raptor? Yeah. Yeah. I, I did some dumb stuff, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> and next thing you know, it's like, you know, you're on top of the snowpack and then all of a sudden, shoot, and uh, you're, you're sitting on your frame, right? Okay. You're in a warm spot. So. The winch is a pretty nice thing, right? Just hook it to a tree and be able to at least move yourself out. Okay. Um, but yeah, back to your point about having all the stuff. It's like when I started Uncharted, the statistic that stuck with me was 95% of all the survival situations, whether it's September 11th or going in ditch, resolved in 72 hours. Uh, 
So you just need you the seventy-two. Hour, is it the seventy-two hour pack you have? We call it the seventy-two for that 72, reason. Yeah. Like the idea is like, if you can self-sustain for seventy-two hours, there's a ninety-five percent chance yeah. that somebody's going to be there to help you out. So right. for me, like that's a pretty pretty easy thing to sign up for instead of spending tons on a bunker. I mean, if you're living in Southern California, you're probably moving in apart between apartments. You have mm. smaller spaces. You're not going to have a ton of stuff. I mean, yeah. up here we have the luxury of some space, yeah. but. Um, you know, how do you solve for that? So that was really kind of where the idea started. Okay. Yeah. I need to get the, get work on the winch a little more. Cause I haven't had the, you know, uh, the opportunity to use it. So I have mm-hmm. the, the winch out there. My daughter has one on her, on her car. We have all the, all the stuff and everything, but I really needed to do a, I did a little bit in the military, but not as much as our mobility guys. Our mobility guys got some amazing training. Oh, yeah. I mean, they got with all different vehicles, whether uh, it's a Hilux or a Humvee or, you know, whatever, a rental car, um, going to some amazing schools. I went to three driving schools, but uh, the guys that went to like the the, uh, the rally racing schools, O'Neill Racing out there, uh, and then the recovery schools and all that sort of a thing, like they got some great training out of that um but i need to work on the the winch a little more just to make sure i have it down i mean i i yeah i have my military stuff i did but i haven't really done it since uh, yeah for real yeah. you know um so i need to do a little bit a little bit more of that so i have it have all the stuff and uh could figure it out but i haven't like uh been in the situation where i've had to do it or haven't put myself in a situation where i don't really need to mm-hmm. but here's a good opportunity to try here's for a good sure. opportunity to to make sure that uh that i still have these skills that i'm doing it right doing it safely I remember which way to hook the you know uh, hook it up and everything and so when they're um, diminishing skills too it's just like shooting a gun it's like it's it, it has to become something you do frequently because those things you forget yeah. right you haven't done it for a few years the perishable skill yeah, you know perishable. the avalanche stuff in particular like that sort of a thing yeah. um uh, yeah that's that's definitely that's definitely but but uh i think i'm gonna i gotta get the 72 pack because my daughter's car is it's pretty good to go like we've got all this stuff in there you know put everything together but yep. i want to get the um when she goes to college here get a few things from uh from uncharted supply down. company get their stuff in there just uh keeping the car keeping her house whatever you know just nice to nice to have that that go-to bag yeah. um that you know is uh is all is all set up and and good to go so um so that's always been the thing with with guys like you that have a lot of gear and have the experiences the thing they liked about our kits is it's almost a break glass in case of emergency thing because your knife might be somewhere your headlamp might be somewhere you know you're always kind of using stuff so if it's hunting season you you know stuff's all (laughs) over the place right that's why now i think we were still in coronado and uh petzl changed their uh headlamp just the basic uh what was it called the tika anyway the the basic one they've had forever i had the little flip up red cover on it and Uh then that flip up blue one but it's like it's on off like that's what i liked three modes but you don't have to like hold it it's just one two three off or whatever it was right. very simple yeah. and then they switched it and now you have you know the timer you can program it by how you hold it and that sort of a thing it has Dimmers, the different lights yeah. in there not just the three or four leds right. across the old school one so i bought 50 <laughs> of those old school ones oh and God. that was before we had any you know there's zero money but i was like i i love this headlamp i've been using it since uh i don't know 98, whenever it came out, 97, whatever that, whenever that one came out. And, uh, and I love it, but I always thought it's so great. It's so basic. I can always run down to, you know, REI or whatever and grab one. Yep. And then they switched it. I'm like, Oh no. And so I was searching everywhere and this was, you know, what is this? 10 over 10 years ago, maybe. And, uh, when they switched it. And so I just found a place that had a, you know, 
boxes of them. And so I bought 50. So we still have some of those, but now I've gotten the new one and I actually like it. Now it's uh, I think they made it a little more uh, user-friendly for somebody like me that just wants a basic headlamp that you can throw. Okay. Backpack has one car has all the cars yep. have them. They're yep. in multiple drawers They're in every room. Yep. Um, so all the kids have them. Like I just like having a lot of headlamps around. Same thing with flashlights. I like that, that stream light. What's it called? It's uh, the stinger maybe anyway it's like you know yay big mm-hmm. uh great for the great for the vehicle uh, i think it only comes in rechargeable for some reason but um it's bright it's bright and yeah, it's, it's not crazy expensive either I'm, I'm like you i'm a single guy i think i have 12 headlamps in my house <laughs> you know and i've got these like flashlights with re, with a solar thing on the side like in okay. every window oh nice you know just just in case yep. just always charging oh and, yeah uh, yeah we have all big ones in all the cars uh got those big those those lights in all the cars and i like streamlight because they, uh, um, if you lose it, it's not the end of the world. Right. Like some flashlights and they're expensive, expensive, so expensive. And you misplace that thing. You're like, Oh man, yeah. but the streamlight ones like good, robust. And then if you lose it, it's like, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. Um, same thing with blades. Like I have so many blades. I was just gonna say, that's, a, that's, yeah. that's my knife problem. <laughs> but if I lose one that yeah. like someone gave, here's the one in the world I made just for you. Yeah. And you are like, Oh my goodness, this is amazing. Yeah. And then you're carrying it every day. And somehow you get, you know, catches on your seatbelt as you're getting out of the car, whatever it is. Um, and you lose it. Like that's, that I hurts. had a panic attack the other day. Arabito gave me a knife, oh, nice. half face blades. And, um, I've, I have a couple of them, but one, I just take this a out. folder. No, I, I do the, uh, the feather lights. Okay. I really like those. So like I wear a marsupial bino harness and the feather mm-hmm. light just sits, it's okay. like the exact same height. So it sits oh, right nice. next to it and okay. out of the way. So when I'm hunting, it's right there, yeah. but I'd taken a different one off and I'd put it somewhere. And then I came home and I was putting my gear away and I'm like, where is that thing? And oh man. I found it, but yeah, I, yeah, it's precious when somebody makes you something yep. and, and there's a sentimental thing. Yeah, uh, exactly. I don't want to lose those for sure. I know. That's why I kind of air towards, like I have all these, you know, amazing knives, but if I'm going out, I actually air towards the ones that are uh, not that special right. because if I lose one, it's, you know, it, uh, yeah, I don't want to have to tell the person that I, I lost it. It's right. just, it hurts like a family heirloom, you know, handed down by, over the generations. Absolutely. Uh, that's why I just got two, I have two 30 30s coming pre 64s. Um, because I have the one that my dad gave me that, uh, he got back in the day and, uh, I just don't want to destroy that one. Like I want to ha- have that, but I want to have one that's like almost exactly Somewhere. the same yeah. that if I, if I break it or, you know, I don't know if I've I was going to say lose it, but I can't imagine losing it. But somehow something happens to it. Like I would hate to lose the actual one oh. that my dad gave me. I've been hunting with it, you know, obviously iron sights, uh, you know, old, old school, 30, yep. 30 lever yep. action. And it's awesome. It's yeah. awesome hunting with it here in Utah. Um, but after that I was like, okay, I, I, I want to preserve this thing. I don't want it to, uh, freezing. And then, then it's in the car and it, right. it's like sweating and it's old and it, the wood crap, whatever. I don't know. I just yeah. want to make sure I, I respect those things. I've know. got the same thing. My great grandpa's 30 thirties and stuff back at the farm in Wisconsin. And nice. my dad is the keeper of them now, okay. you know, but yeah, maybe yeah. someday I'll get my hands on those. There but you go. There there's you a go. smell to them and there's yeah. a feel to them. Oh, yeah. And you hear the stories of, you know, my great grandpa just shooting from the hip, you know, walking through the woods and dropping two deer, yeah. you know, who knows if it's true or not, but, uh, yeah, no, there's, you, there's some I bet it is sauce. true. Cause yeah. those guys, I mean, they'd go out in just the blizzard in jeans, in flannel. cotton socks, <laughs> yeah. red flannel, you know, and, uh, and a, a stormy, what is it? Stormy Fromer. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And, uh, and off they would go and yeah. bag 
you know, bring home, bring home the dinner. Yep. Um, and then we get pretty technical about these things, you know, but it's oh, fun. Yeah. It's also fun to, you know, it's fun to geek out on, on some of these things, but sometimes unnecessarily. So like you probably, you know, don't need a lot of this awesome stuff that we have access to, but if you're a gear person, it's hard to not want to explore what else is out there. It's a drug, but, you know, man. Yeah, <laughs> and, it's, and it's fun to know and talk about and, and test things out. Yeah. And, uh, if you're in the military, you know, wanting to, uh, improve your, uh, any, any sort of a technical advantage that you can have mm -hmm. over the enemy to go along with your tactical advantage, um, you're going to take. So it just kind of naturally bleeds over into the other aspects of your life. But, um, but really, hey, you know, a thirty thirty and a and a flannel and a good pair of boots, like your you know truck get, truck four wheel drive that, that that works, like you're you're pretty good to go for sure. You're for sure, good to go. Yeah, I mean, I have you know, I have like the whole Sitka system. I'm good yeah. buddies with those guys, and you know, then they launched some new jacket, and I'm like, I don't know how I hunted without this before, <laughs> you know. But I had yeah. no problems before. It's just yeah, they know what buttons to push. For oh sure, yeah, oh no, it's it, fun. It's great. Stuff. It's yeah, it's, it's super fun. It's super fun. <laughs> yeah. And did you grow up hunting then too, or did you get into it later? Yeah, yes and no. So you know. Northern Wisconsin, November, you're 15 years old, tree stand hunting, and it's 10 below zero. Like, it wasn't that fun. That, yeah. We didn't have iPhones to keep us preoccupied. You were just freezing up there. Just sit up there freezing and eating little, like, fun-sized Snicker bars. So <laughs> I, did a, I did a little, but um, no, I, when it really caught me was when I did my first elk hunt. I, was, uh, I went out to north, uh, northwest Montana and, you know, packed in 15 miles with my dad and a friend oh, and, wow. and um, you know, a bow hunt and didn't even shoot, shoot one on that trip. But that I always tell people because people see me now and they're like, man, you really got into hunting. And I'm like, you know, I think we all have this caveman DNA in us. Yeah. And if you turn it on, it's pretty hard to turn off yeah. because all of a sudden it just feels like that's what you should be doing. Right. You know, almost like it's like in your DNA. Yeah. And so I, I think that was like the really the hunt that just kind of flipped it on for me. And now it's, you know, I was just in South Africa a few weeks ago and I've been, you know, I've hunted the Brooks range and the Yukon and Hawaii and Texas, you know, and all these yeah. places. And, um, man, I just, uh, there's not much else in this world that makes me feel like I'm doing what I should be doing Yeah, is like bow hunting or right. rifle hunting. So, so yeah, it's been a big, it's become a big part of my life and yeah. I did a little in the past. What, um, what was that? Was it not, maybe might, and that's not the first one maybe that you filmed, but what was the one that you filmed? Was that in the, the Yukon or British Columbia or somewhere where you went in? Was it a moose hunt or an elk hunt moose, a yeah, couple the, years ago? The moose, I filmed a moose hunt and a grizzly hunt. So the moose okay. hunt was in the, it was on the Yukon, British Columbia border. And, um, gosh, what a, my, my buddy watched that film once and he's like, this is like dating a supermodel in high school. <laughs> he's like, you're never going to have a better experience yeah. than this. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we, we looked, it was like a 12 day hunt. I got to use that line for a book. That's fantastic. <laughs> we, that uh, for like five days, you know, saw a bunch of moose, but none of them were legal. They didn't have the right points. And, and then we found this, this big guy and, um, he was in this big Valley and we, I have the Garmin photo to prove it. We did 134 miles in four days on foot nice. chasing him. So we'd, we'd find him every day and, wow. and we'd get close and then we wouldn't get a shot. And, wow. and we finally got him like in the last hours we had. And, um, wow. you know, presides over my house above my fireplace. Yeah, yeah. But, um, that's what I've seen there. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Just what an experience. Those animals are incredible. It's hard to believe they even live out there. I mean, they're yeah. so big. Oh, so. I know we had a bunch here. You saw some of their, uh, the evidence that they've been here on your, on your walk in <laughs> yeah. because you know, they're out here and they, uh, you know, they go to the bathroom and then it gets covered by snow cause we've had so much. And then, so as it's starting to melt here, now yeah. it's a reemerging, so I get out there with a the shovel and you know and, and toss it out of the driveway. That's so cool! You know, what a place to, to live, right? <laughs> it was cool. Like I was, I was worried about the mule deer and elk, and we the elk just came back maybe 
three or four days ago for the first time that I've, that I've seen them. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, they, they look okay. They look pretty good. Yeah. Um, not bad. I haven't seen the mule deer yet. And usually, uh, there's a lot of mule deer. I haven't seen any yet. So I'm hoping they make their way back, but I think it would, the winter has been pretty rough on them. I read um, in some yeah. counties there was a, I think it was an 80% fatality rate with those and a hundred percent with the fawns in oh, some wow. counties. So that said, I've, I've seen yeah. some some fawns around like kind of in town, you know, okay. like in front of the bank eating the grass. Okay. So I think the ones that got smart got down low and just hung on. Got but, down um, low. I saw N- this nestled up against a barn and some feed maybe. And right. Right. I've got a lot of friends that have ranches here that, you know, keep posting their elk herd that moved in for the winter. Yeah. And I know that's expensive for them, but thank God for those people. Cause it, probably made a big difference for a lot of those animals. Yeah. They went some, I mean, they went some of the moose stayed here, but they're kind of built for that powder with those legs. They're impervious. And, uh, yeah, yeah. They were, they look, they look pretty good all winter. I was still a tad bit worried about them just cause it was, you know, we're hearing all the stuff on the news. Hey, this yeah. is the biggest winter in recorded history in Utah and that sort of a thing or in this mm-hmm. part of Utah anyway. Um, so I was a little bit nervous because they, if we're experiencing it for the first time, like those guys, they're, they're experiencing this kind of a winter for the first time. Absolutely. And, uh, and the turkeys too, the turkeys are back as of about a week and a half ago but last winter they were here the whole time you know, like 100 turkeys 100 plus turkeys and uh now they're back like 200 turkeys but they went somewhere and i didn't see them low i didn't see them up here and so i was i was a little worried about them but they're back what's the uh jurassic park line nature finds a way, finds a way. You know? <laughs> <laughs> kind of uh-huh. i'm always amazed too because yeah i had the same thing i, I don't live too far from here and I'm used to, I think I can see you. I think I can see you. Probably. Look, (laughs) we, uh, you know, I'm used to seeing these animals and I I usually know where to shed hunt Mm. and it's just, it's different this year because they just, they went somewhere else. So, um, fingers crossed. It's not as bad as they think, but it was, I mean, a great year for recreation in the mountains, but at the same time it was, it was tough for those animals for sure. Yeah. I was in riding most of the time. So I got, (laughs) I got it a few times, but, um, you know, when when, I got to get you out more. Yeah. Seriously. It was crazy. There were so many projects going on. And when it's quiet here Mm -hmm. is when, uh, everybody goes to the mountain to ski. So, uh, family skiing, it's quiet here and I'm writing. Gotcha. Uh, so it was, gotcha. uh, there were so many projects, but I love doing that. It's not like I'm like, Oh, I have to work. It was, you know, I love, love the writing part, but there were just so many, so many projects. Um, on the hunting side of the house, like you show, you know, you, you film these hunts, it's out there, but some of your product ends up in like, like the REI type of a, like, a per, like the people mm-hmm. that explore the outdoors without the hunting side of it, that hike and backpack and all that. Do you get any kind of, um, you do it in a really, you do it in a very thoughtful, respectful way, but you are, are definitely straddling both of those worlds with your business. Um, do you ever get any pushback on the hunting side from the other side or is it, do you do it in such a way that, uh, it just, Hey, it's this natural and it's, uh, and it's okay. So, you know, a couple things on that. We, I think there's like two areas of our business. One is, is emergency. Uh-huh. like a earthquake or whatever. And the other is what I call prepared adventure. The line I like to use is get all the way out there and all the way home. Yeah. So I think about like, you know, when I'm out hunting or mountain biking or running, I, I want to be unencumbered. I don't want to be carrying a bunch of gear, but I also want to be somebody that can fix a problem if it mm-hmm. arises. So, you know, we build stuff that if it works for, for, you know, fast moving through the mountains, it works for mountain biking and hunting, you know? Yeah. And so We've never been like a hunting brand. Right. Um, we have landing pages for hunt, for mountain bike, for overlanding. Um, I think from a business perspective, I, I try to keep I keep the hunting pretty mellow. There's not a lot of grip and grins on our website. Right. You know? Yeah. So you do it in a respectful um, way. Yeah. But it's still out there. It's it is. Still out it, there. I, I don't shy away from yeah. it. Yeah. Um, I think you know on my personal page, I probably get more. Um, 
interaction, let's call it, from people. Okay. And I, I'm always surprised because by now people should know who I am and what yeah. I'm about. But I'm very comfortable in my place in the world and, and how I hunt and why I hunt and what I do it for. And I'm, I, I like to think of myself as a very thoughtful hunter when it comes yeah. to using all the meat and finding the right animal and doing it for the right reasons. And I just look at it as a moment to educate. Yeah. And I do think that like when I put my neck out there and then I push back on people that that gives other people that maybe operate the same way I do, maybe a little more courage to do the same. Yeah, and like, I, oh, it's working. Like it hasn't hurt. It doesn't look like it's hurt uncharted. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's even helped them. Oh, yeah. Okay. Maybe I'll be a little more comfortable because it used to be very normal, obviously, right. uh, early 1900s, right. 1930s, 1940s, 50s, 60s, like even Rolex had ads. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I oh, love yeah. those ads, those ads from the seventies. Yeah. And it's like so-and-so editor of guns and ammo with his like rhino, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, it, it, it's fantastic. Um, the perfect watch they, for tiger hunting. They yeah. must look at those ads now. <laughs> exactly. They must look at those ads now and just be like, Oh, uh, but, uh, but they're cool. Like yeah, those yeah, are the they're awesome ads. Like, I, I keep meaning to get one of those framed, framed those old school right, ones right, and, yeah. and put them up. I haven't done it yet, but it's, uh, it'll, it'll happen. The at, field at ethos guys here. are always recycling those and I don't know where they get them from, but it's like, Oh yeah. No, I posted them a while, like yeah. years ago. I, I posted them and, uh, it's just kind of cool to, you yeah. know, a little retro. I love the retro ads anyway. And I love retro book covers and mm -hmm. movie posters and, and all, all that sort of a thing. But, uh, but that's interesting. So that you haven't really noticed then a, a pushback from, uh, for lack of a better term, the, the REI crowd. No, no. I mean, uh, REI specifically is an interesting one. We're not in that store. We're in Bass Pro, Cabela's, Sportsman, okay. places like that. Um, you know, we've had some meetings with REI. We, we haven't been in that store. Maybe it's because yeah. we do this. But at the same time, like, that's okay then. You know, like I, I, I'm not going to change. It seems like it should be there because it's Absolutely the way, should. I mean, just from like a marketing packaging perspective, like yeah. it looks like something that you would walk into REI and see there, like in that first like little setup area that they have that they switch out or whatever. Like it seems like that 72 bag, like it looks yeah. good. It looks, and people, a lot of people are there, I think have kids going to college. They'd be right. like, oh, I should grab this or this would be useful just in the house or, uh, you know, I think it, it's, a, it's a good spot for it. So, yeah, I don't know. Well, when we started, you know, survival gear was you go to a military surplus store and it's some dusty backpack full of stuff they couldn't sell. Yeah. You know, I remember I, <laughs> I bought a bunch of them and I remember one had a blow dart gun with three darts in it. Nice. It's fantastic. Like, what's, you know, attack of the squirrels. Like what's Love happening it. here, but I'm going to get the blow gun back in the eighties. <laughs> like yeah. that was in the back of like black belt magazine, maybe soldier of fortune, yeah. uh, yeah. advertised probably with some sort of a ninja thing. And, uh, Oh, that was awesome. Little ball at the end of it. And you had to like make them and then, yeah, oh, man, into the neck like you'd see an American ninja and all of a sudden the guy would just fall over. <laughs> so great. I mean, it, but it's funny that that was like your emergency kit, right? So when I talked to people about starting this business, everybody said, don't do it. That doesn't sell. And I'm like, huh. well, I wouldn't buy that either. Right. You know? So back to your point of like making it look like REI, like I took a lot of inspiration from Nike and Apple and Lululemon because I'm like, these are the brands that people buy. And so can we make a product that feels at home sitting next to those yeah. products. And so that's, we've, I mean, it, it's not like we're losing the DNA of being highly effective, but the right colors, the right materials, yeah. the right construction, um, right. you know, it's something that we work hard at because I, I think you have to put products that maybe aren't in people's kind of decision group uh, in the right lens. So then yeah. it does become that. And that's, yeah. that's been the goal, you know, yeah. let's, let's make it cool. Let's make this like hero stuff, not like, I'm hiding in a bunker, you know, because something weird is happening. Like let's, let's make <laughs> Not it Not that there's anything wrong with that. Uh, no, no. Some, sometimes that's the only option for sure. <laughs> but, 
Um, I always said like, I want this to be like the superhero cape in the back yeah. of an SUV that the dad pulls out and the mom pulls right. out and, and saves the day. Yeah. And uh, that was always our kind of direction. Right. Man, what have you learned from a, a business standpoint, entrepreneurial standpoint? And I separate those two things because I think of myself as a good entrepreneur because I didn't really think of it in, I didn't think of it in those terms, but I just looked at this publishing like uh, a battle space and I looked at, Hey, how do you capitalize on momentum? How do you um, look for gaps in the enemy's defenses? How do you adapt yeah. to a changing landscape? And just looked at it that way. I had nothing to fall back on. I couldn't say, well, what we did at my last job was this and that's how you do it. And so I just had nothing like that to hold me back essentially. So um, didn't have a background in it, but I could just apply some common sense to it and, and, and that sort of a thing business side, I think is different. I think if you're a good business person, that, that means you're, you're understanding how to make these good deals and you're mm -hmm. negotiating and you're, and as I don't do any of that, I I'm awful. I'd be terrible. <laughs> I'm awful at that. Um, so I think there's a difference between being a good entrepreneur and a good businessman. I think obviously they can, they, they can come together, yep. but, uh, for me, they don't, I'm separate a businessman. I am terrible entrepreneur. I can, I can adapt. Uh, right. I can look at things, apply common sense, uh, put in the work and, uh, and, and make something happen. But, uh, what have you learned along the way? Cause you've, have you had to do both? Um, because you're, I mean, you're not like you do have people that work for you. Right. But you are essentially, um, I mean, you started it yourself yep, and yep. you came up, you've done all this. Um, so how do you do the entrepreneur side, the business side? What have you learned, uh, along the way? Well, I think, you know, when you, when you give that example, I think of somebody like Elon Musk, like an unbelievably creative, mm -hmm. right. An inventor, uh, but like you see him by Twitter and then try to run it and it yeah. hasn't been smooth sailing. You yeah. know, I'm not saying he's doing it wrong. I'm That's just saying like, oh, man. those are usually different brains. Yeah. I think entrepreneurship and building product and, and starting something and then somebody who can really run it. And when my brother and I did all the stuff overseas, I was usually the ideas guy and the connections uh -huh. guy. And he was the execution guy on the, okay. the flights booked and mm -hmm. are the bills paid. And, uh -huh. um, so I, I do think those are two different brains, yeah. you know, and I think people that are good at both is, is it's a very rare thing sometimes you have to be both, you know, so you just do your best. Um, yeah. you know, entrepreneurship is fun, but you were talking about it from a battle perspective. I, I always talk to my team about it from like a game perspective. I'm like, this is like Mario brothers. It's like every level gets harder, okay. you know, and you just got to find a way to stay alive. And you know, COVID, a bunch of people are going to die. If we stay alive, we're, we're up a level, right? Mm -hmm. We've cleared the deck. And, and so I, I just, I wake every up every morning and think of it as like, like a game, like a challenge, you yeah. know, like I'm, I'm in a strategic thing that I have to figure out and I have to do it better than somebody else. Yeah. And if I do that, I get to play another day. And, okay. um, maybe that's a simplified way to do that, but that's, I think we're saying the same thing, just different backgrounds. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it's not easy every day. There's, there's something, right. you know, and, um, I, I have another friend in town that has a, has a really great high end bike company and he's probably a little more emotional than me, you know, highs yeah. and lows. And, yeah. and, uh, Hey man, I'm like, you, you just, you can't think about the exit. You yeah. can't think about that day. You have to think about like, this is my everyday life and how do I balance it so I can stay here longer? Uh, That's, you know, that was my advice to him. It's yeah. like, you've thought you were going to die a hundred times and you haven't, we're still here. Yeah. So next time it happens, just know that you're going to find a way yeah. like, like temper it, figure it out and keep pushing forward. And that's just, that's how I think about it. Yeah. Um, and maybe someday I'll be wrong, but you know, so far that's worked. 
Are you, do you have a, can people walk in to your store and, and buy product? Yeah. So we have, um, or your office, I should say, or we have a store at the outlets here in park city. That's, uh, you know, they had some empty space. Same place where I was right back, back uh, down by. No, no, no. That's, that's our office. Okay, so we, okay. our office is over by ritual chocolate here yeah, yeah. in park city. But Delicious then, chocolate, by the oh, way. Oh yeah. Pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. Uh, shout out to those guys. Yeah. But, um, over by the outlet malls, um, kind of oh, yeah, yeah, Walmart, yeah. we have yeah. a store over there. Mostly, you know, most of our business is online. And then we're in about 250 stores now around the country. So I love when I walk in and I see uncharted stuff. I'm like, what? I love like, it too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Like what's, what kind of, what stores are you in? I, cause I'm trying to remember which ones I've been in, but I've been surprised a few times by walking in and been like, Oh no, this is awesome. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Bass pro Cabela's Shields, sportsman's, um, a lot of those kind of outdoors and hunting stores, uh, their chains. And then, you know, we've got a lot of like boat dealers and ATV dealers and snowmobile, you know, guys like that, uh, yeah. car dealerships we're getting into. So it's, it's I think growing. that's where I saw one. I think it was a motorcycle, um, snowmobile place. I think I walked into and I saw it there. Oh, nice. I think that's where it was. That's, that's why I was like, Oh, Maybe ADS oh, or Carl Malone or something. Yeah. That's there. it. Yep. That's it. I was expecting to see just like oil and helmets, you know, yeah. and that sort of a thing. And I walked in and then, and there it was, I think that's where I was uh, surprised most recently. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's definitely one of those proud moments. I mean, I, you know, I can remember having this idea and then kind of putting a product together and then kind of putting it out there and then, you know, having to write uh, the biggest check I've ever written in my life for my entire life savings to buy inventory when it was just me, you know? And so, um, it's hard. It's not easy. Like we're, we're in the battle, but it's fun. Those moments to walk in and see your stuff on the shelf or to have somebody, you know, send you a picture of like, Hey, this Zeus saved my butt. Um, like, you know, Jay Byer, he's a, you know, photographer here in town. So the other day, you know, he sent me a video with a Zeus starting their truck out in the middle of nowhere. And he's like, this saved my butt. And, that happens all the time. And like, nice. that makes me happy. And you know? so the Zeus is a power pack. And the, what, what generation or iteration of, of that are you on? At least we, two, right? Well, we've, we've, we've still got the original one. We have a different one that's got okay. some different properties. And then coming up, we're launching with has an air compressor built in as well. Okay. Maybe I saw something. So we're working like on that. Thing. Okay. Yeah. And that's been, that's been a fun product because it just, you know, like my dad, he's got a farm in Wisconsin and they forget to plug the semis in at night in the winter and then go out there and put that thing on a dead battery and start up a Peterbilt, you yeah. know, and that's, that's pretty cool, right? Yeah. For 150 bucks, like a little box can do that. Oh yeah. Oh, we have um, those from a bunch. Cause I like to test things out too. Yeah. And I just get them and, and you know, we, we use them around here. So I have <laughs> quite a few different ones yeah. uh, scattered. Yeah. They're in every car, they're in the garage or to give to people. So I don't have to like give them my one yeah, if they right. need to go somewhere right. or like borrow it. And I just know that uh, odds of me getting this back are maybe 50, 50, <laughs> you know, so I just have them to, to give out. So that doesn't uh, degrade our level of preparedness, you right. know, around, right. around here. Or so uh, the, the two is one, one is none thing from the, uh, the military, from the SEAL teams, you Absolutely. know, you always got to have some, uh, always got to have some, some backups there. But even uh, to that point, like it, it doesn't take much, right? People don't have to spend $10,000 on stuff. It's like a handful of the right gear can yeah. really, really make a difference. Yeah. Um, and so I preach that a lot. It's like, I'm not asking you to like change your life here. It's just mm-hmm. think a little bit about what could happen and cover your bases, you know, yeah. for you and for your family and for everyone else. And I think if we all do that, we can, we can help each other and everything starts to work a little better. And some basic stuff is great because it opens up the rest of that bandwidth to deal with a problem that you haven't anticipated. So Very much. Um, if you're off the road in your car or COVID hits or, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, now we're not worried about food and water and yeah. maybe some shelter, some warm clothes, you know, 
the basics, a uh, way to protect yourself. Um, and now that lets you take all that bandwidth that would have been focused on, oh, I need to feed my kids. Okay, we have two weeks of food here, whatever it is for wherever you live and what you're comfortable with. Um, but uh, now that bandwidth that was worried about that, where that food's coming from is now focused on the other problem. And all of it's going to the other new problem that uh, you weren't as prepared for, yep. um, but you've had these other bases covered. And those bases that you have to cover are the same bases that humans have had to cover since the beginning of time, essentially. Um, You need to protect yourself, but protect your tribe, um, be value add to that community. Um, You got to put food on the table. So hunting and warfare, essentially. I I had this same conversation the other day with somebody and it's like, we were talking about going into hunts and what you do to prepare. And it's, you know, I, I train physically. I, you know, I'll get, I'll get on a treadmill and watch every YouTube video I can of that area of the world hunting that animal. I yeah. want to know what the landscape looks like. I want to know how the weather changed. I want to know how those animals reacted when they saw humans. And the more things you can kind of get in your head ahead of going into somewhere, which you know from your experience, the more bandwidth you have to focus on the things that are going to be unexpected because exactly. those things are going to happen. Exactly. I always say like, you don't want the Super Bowl to be your first game of the year, you know? Yeah. And, and and I try to tell people like, go, go use your 72, open it up, use the stuff in it, know where it is, know how it works. Because man, if you're, if you're hanging upside down in your truck and you got a broken arm and smoke's filling, like it's funny how your brain starts to make things a lot harder. Yeah. Um, and so the more experience you have and the, and the more you've gone down the path, I think the more likely you are to figure it out. And today, some of that financial preparation as well, as we mm-hmm. saw at the beginning of COVID when people didn't know, uh, oh, my business just shut down or I have to let these employees go, whatever it is, um, having some, a, a month, two weeks, three months, six months, a year, whatever it is for you yep. and what your, your yep. family situation and, and whatever else. But uh, imagine the lessons also that it teaches those kids uh, during a time where it might be a little bit uncertain and a little bit scary um, to see their parents either talking about, Hey, I'm so glad that we prepared for this. Um, we have, we're good for three months. We're good for two months paying this mortgage, doing this, whatever else. Uh, and even if you weren't, I think being able to frame it as a lesson instead of like just framing it as uh, we are in trouble, right? right? This is horrible. And the kids hear that they sense it in the body language. Um, but if you weren't prepared, and you said, Hey, well, you know what? We were only good for like one month financially. Um, but you know what we're going to do coming out of this? We're going to be prepared six months, a year, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. And then the kids can see that and be like, oh, okay, now I know how, uh, how at least I have an example, whether I'm, you know, can, can, uh, and actually frame it exactly like this or, or not yet, but at least I have this example of learning a lesson mm-hmm. and taking that lesson, applying it going forward as wisdom, yep. making a change so that you're better prepared next time. And you're better preparing that next generation as well. Absolutely. Even though it's the same situation as the family that is like, oh, we, how are we going to pay this mortgage? How are we going to eat? And they're just fretting about it. Well, you just can switch that. So it's a lesson for yeah, the kids and you frame true. it in a positive way. So anyway, hey, let's get these dogs out of here for a second and then uh, come back <laughs> in and finish and do it and keep going. I think so, they need to run for a second. Yeah. Baron's chugging the water over here. Let's do it. Let's do it. We'll be back. Navy Federal Credit Union wants to thank the men and women in the U.S. military for their important commitment to our country. For more than 90 years, Navy Federal Credit Union has made it their mission to help people in the military community. Navy Federal Credit Union is open to all branches of the military, veterans, and their families. Navy Federal's employees are veterans and military spouses, which makes them a part of the community they serve. They understand their members better than anyone. Members could enjoy earnings and savings of $349 per year, a regular savings rate four times higher than the industry average, 
an average credit card APR that's 5% lower than the industry average, award-winning 24-7 stateside member service, and 0.25% discounted rate on VA loans. Show your support for our troops with the hashtag military mission. Thanks. And my family thinks about veterans. Those are currently serving our nation each and every day, giving us these options and opportunities in the private sector. So everyone out there who has served and is serving from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Learn more about how Navy Federal is creating and celebrating the commitment that connects them to their members at NavyFederal.com slash celebrate. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA. Dollar value shown represents the results of the 2021 Navy Federal Member Give Back Study. Credit card value claim based on 2021 internal average APR assigned to members compared to advertised industry APR average published on creditcards.com. NFCU reserves the right to change or discontinue promotions and rates at any time without notice. Navy Federal, check them out. Dogs uh, had a good little break there. Yeah, Awesome. Yep. It's a beautiful day. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. You it's, know, it feels like we haven't seen the sun forever. Even it's, yesterday. Even yesterday. Yeah. It was uh, it was overcast all day. We got a little snow. I dug the cars out yesterday. <laughs> I shouldn't say dug out. I brushed them off. But it was a good few inches yep. uh, on the vehicles. I went out there and and uh, brushed my daughters off and got that thing running. Got my Brushed my truck off. Got that thing uh, you know up and running. Got the heat going. But awesome. uh, it was like essentially middle of winter. We could have plowed probably. Uh, but it, we knew it was going to melt off um, though because it's 900 it's, it's inches at Alta and Snowbird this year. Amazing. Amazing. Did you ski there this year? Did you go over? Uh, once or twice, but yeah. you know, it's just, it's so when hard right to get here. up that Canyon I know. anymore that, um, I, know. I would rather take the sure bet and have it be 70% as good. So yep. that's where I usually end up. Yeah. I know it's so convenient just to, to stay here. I'd have to go down. I mean, you got to stay there. I think like go stay at Snowbird yeah. Yeah. and just spend the night and just spend the weekend. Yeah. That's a the game. Is you storm chase, get early, get to get yeah. in there. Otherwise you're in that traffic going up those canyons, totally. uh, depending on where you want to, where you want to go. Totally. But, uh, but you just got back from Florida. What were you doing in Florida? Yeah, I was down at the, uh, it was called Sandlot Jacks. It's an event Goruck puts on. So I don't know if you know those guys, yeah. Jason McCarthy, but. Uh, I, mean, I know who they are. I don't know them okay. personally, but I know what they Great. do. You know, it's, it's a really cool gr- group. It's it's a very kind of military centric, mm-hmm. fire, police. Um, you know, their whole thing is just doing hard things and carrying heavy weight and working yeah. out. And it was a big fitness festival. I, g- I gave a talk down there. Um, you know, our mutual friend, Michael Easter was down there. Yeah. And some He's of those the guys. podcasts before. He's another book coming out here soon mm-hmm. that I need to, to write a blurb for when we're yeah. done today. Um, but uh, yeah, there was, there was a few, there was a bunch of different people that were down there. I yeah. Saw. Hobie was down there. Nice, you know, nice. Hobie um, darling. Shout out to Hobie. So I, I gave this talk on, uh, you know, a bunch of different things. One of the topics was just kind of training to be ready for anything because mm. kind of from a survival perspective, it's, you know, my perspective is if you're always in a gym with the same temperature and, you know, spraying eucalyptus on the steam room and <laughs> listen, you know, doing your pre-workout, like uh-huh. you're not set up for when something happens and you have to be working right. in, in bad, bad environments. Right. right. So, uh, those words got used against me. I think all weekend I, I got pulled into so many workouts with those guys. I oh, said, Hey, you know, Hobie gotcha. you said you're going to be ready for anything. Let's go do this. Oh, Hobie workouts are tough, kicker. man. Oh. When I first got out here, I was, uh, uh, was brought into the Hobie workout group. I've done them. And Hobie texted me and he's like, Hey, come on out. And I'm like, well, I think I need to kind of work out before I work out. With you. I, <laughs> I have a general idea of what you do. Um, and, uh, and, and we've been friends for a while. So I think I need to work up towards this. And he's like, no, just come on out. And he was right. So went down there, started working out with him. We had a group of like four or five of us that yep. started getting up at, 
you get up at five, get down there by, you know, five twenty, five twenty five, you're doing it at five thirty. Um, I've been there, just never the same time as you. But yeah, well, um, I haven't done it in a long it was yeah, only when we first got out here. Gotcha. And gotcha. uh and for the first year. And uh that was only one book, you know, there's not yeah. all these other things <laughs> happening. Um so I had I that was the day. Uh I'd wake up, do that get home, get the kids to school, come back and right. write. But, uh, oh my goodness, I got in some pretty good shape, but those guys are just animals. Well, my only saving animals. grace is one of my best friends here is Billy DeMong, and he's a multi-time Olympic medalist, Nordic combined, oh, wow. and he's cardio monster, super strong, and um, he's like, no, I'm not. I'm not doing those workouts. It's too hard. <laughs> so. But what's great about them is that you also did, you know, it wasn't just in the gym. The gym workouts were friggin' crazy. It was like uh, some ski morph jump. of like, yeah, yeah. So yeah. we're running up there. We're going yeah. outside. We're doing all that sort of thing as well. We're running trails and then stopping and doing some crazy thing and then continuing on and yeah. uh, with headlamps, you know, the whole, the whole thing. So I love doing that, but, um, you know, then had to prioritize in order to build. Because yep. you're essentially, yep. like we talked about before, you're building essentially a, a business. business yep. um, and so what fell off was the the working out, eating right, and sleeping. Uh, and people who have started businesses will uh, probably understand. Uh, and that stuff went to the bottom of the priority list so that uh, I could do all this other thing, write these scripts and write these books and do all the other thing, the engagement we talked about, do the right, blogs, like right. just do all those things that, that need to get done. I mean, if uh, I don't get stage my... that we're in. Yeah, if I don't get my sleep and my workouts in, my work suffers, but... Yeah too much of anything kind of kind of unbalances it as well. So you can't be so sore that you can't, you can't operate either. So. Yeah, those were great workouts. It was awesome. Those yeah. guys are awesome. So did Hobie lead some workouts down there as part of this thing or was it just a uh, on the side? He, I think he was just down there as kind of a participant with, okay. with a brand that he's working with. Uh, but it, it's kind of this event where there's just, there's two or three workouts going on all the time from these different organizations. And, you know, most of those people down there are studs. And um, it's, it's, you know, Hobie, he, he, he's a rare human. He can, oh, doesn't yeah. break. He's strong. I don't think he realizes how hard some of these workouts are for guys <laughs> like me. So he kept dropping into him and be like, come on, man. And you know, yeah. when you look up to somebody and, and you pre, you know, you want to hang out with them, it's hard to say no. So oh, yeah. I just, no, Hobie's awesome. I just keep going. Hobie's awesome. But, uh, yeah. So that's what we were doing down there. I gave a talk and, um, I uh, had some workouts and I was up in New York yesterday, New York oh, city wow. filming, um, some product stuff with a, a brand we work with Okay, and just got back last night. Oh, so, dang. Yeah, man on it. Jeez. And, uh, so all these things that you've done, so it's, how many years are you in again to uncharted? I think it's about six years. Six actually. years. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it was pretty much, you know, you were uh, like a year head start, um, in building a, a business out here. Um, but, uh, what do people, what do you tell people, um, whether you're giving this talk or somebody reaches out to you and asks for your advice on, Hey, I want to start this business. I want to build this brand. Um, what do you, what do you pass on? Like some of your, some of the, the lessons that you've learned over the past uh, few years when that, someone tells you they want to, they want to start their own business. That's a good question. You know, I think, you know, that quote of like, if you knew how hard it was, you probably wouldn't have started it. <laughs> it comes to mind. Yeah. Um, I, I always tell people you better love it, you know, because it's going to be, it's going to be a big, big, big part of your life. So yeah. you better love what you're doing and you better be passionate about it. It better be something that you want to do, whether you're doing it for work or not. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing I always tell people is like, you're going to get to a point where you need to burn the ships. Uh, I, I really believe that that's an important piece because entrepreneurship gets really hard. And if you're half in and you've got another job that's making money easier and uh -huh. you're going to gravitate back to that at some point, unless, you know, like for me, like, Everything I've got's in this. Like, there's yeah. no turning back, and I think that's been the difference between figuring things out and not a few times. Right. So, 
you know, those are, those are two important things I think is, yeah. is really loving what you're doing. And just at the right moment, I'm not saying from day one, go all in, but you know, when we started, it's like, I did a little crowdfunding campaign and I was able to test it and get down the road. But I remember okay. that day where I sat there and I'm like, going this, on is a, this is a big, big six figure check I have to write now if yeah. I'm going to do this or I don't. And I did it. And that was, that was my kind of fork in the road. And, yeah. um, but I think that's, I think that's powerful and I think that's good. Yeah. So that's it gives you freedom. Things. I mean, it seems like it gives you uh, uh, freedom, meaning you're building something, doing something that you that you love. I mean, you're putting in hours, so I don't mean freedom in that respect, that you can just do whatever you, you want. I mean, you're devoted to this yeah. thing. You're building this thing. Uh, you're learning. You're adapting. Um, you're taking risk. Uh, but it's you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at the, end of the, cubicle. at the end of your days, you know, I think we all want to look back and feel like we lived a life well, well done and well lived and this, this checks that box for me. You know, I feel like I'm doing something that can make a difference and will make a difference and I'm passionate about it. And, um, you know, that gives me a lot of energy every day waking up and getting after it. So it's, it's just like you or anybody else, you know, that's where, boy, it's, I've read, you know, the, the, uh, Elon Musk biography and the Phil Knight, you know, from Mm -hmm. Nike biography and Richard Branson, and Mm -hmm. they all go through, ups and downs and lefts yeah. and rights, but it, there's a lot of themes in that. So I always tell people, you know, read those books, understand what that journey is like, because yeah. if you're lucky, it'll be like that. And it's yeah. hard. So. Yeah. What, uh, where did the, um, the raft idea come from, man? So interesting question. Um, yeah, we have this pack raft. We call it the rapid raft. It weighs three and a half pounds, holds 400 pounds and inflates in 30 seconds with no tools. Um, so, all of our gear is made out of a kind of a family of tarpaulin coated. Everything's welded. Uh, a lot of it's roll top. And I, I was trying to figure out how to, how to build more products kind of that has that brand identity. Okay. And, um, a guy named Seth Carlstrom is a great friend of mine, a great product designer. I, I met him actually through Jason Harrison from Kuyu back yeah. in the day. He does stuff for those guys and a bunch of great brands, but he had been working on this. Um, raft project and it was a military wreck for rapid water crossings for irrigation rivers in Afghanistan Oh wow. is where the original idea came from. Okay. And it kind of got shelved. I think, I think the product that beat it out was actually like a bridge. <laughs> so you know how those <laughs> well, things you know, go. It's that. like you got the Harley Davidson or the Jeep, you know, it's <laughs> yeah. like, it can be totally different yeah. to save and solve the same problem. But he had just kind of been sitting on this product and we got talking one day and he brought it up and I thought, you know, that, that kind of, fits our brand from an adventure and survival perspective. You know, yeah. when Montana flooded last year, uh, I got sent a bunch of clips of CNN. Somebody was floating out of their house in one of our rapid rafts. No you way. Know? And so wow. it can, it can work for a situation like that. But I, you know, what I use it mostly for is I'll, I'll take Baron here and we will go up to the Uintas and, and trail run up to some high alpine lakes. Mm. And, you know, there might be a couple of people fishing around the edge, but I can go out in the middle of the lake and throw a dry fly and, um, yeah. And it, it's really fun for that, you yeah. know, for exploring, getting out in the water. So, uh, you know, Cole Kramer, a friend of ours, yeah, he, yeah. he was using it last year to, you know, pack out animals down rivers. Some wow. of those places, the rivers are always changing. You don't yeah. know how deep or where, where cool. the river's going to be the next day. So um, there's some cool applications of it. You know, we keep trying to, I never want to do something somebody else has done. I always want to be like, okay, what, what's the real problem here? And is there a better way to do it? You uh-huh. know, um, and I think that fits, that checks the box a little. Yeah. And it was, it, didn't it win some award at the uh, outdoor retailer or something? Yeah. We've, so we've been to outdoor retailer twice and both times we've had best in show, which is, is pretty cool for a little brand. Oh, right? nice. What was the other one? Uh, the other one was the dog collar. So oh, wow. in a, in a prototype form, it okay. won best in show and we're just, we just released it yesterday actually, which when this comes out, it'll be, you know, a month or so yeah. ago. But, um, 
Yeah, yeah, kind of cool. That's wild. That's why. Yeah. So how's the outdoor retailer? I, I wanted to go for so many years. I always went to shot in the, in the military. Um, and, uh, outdoor retailer used to be here in Salt Lake, yep. but then moved to Colorado. Is that where it went? It's back in Salt Lake now. Oh, it was in Denver for a while. Oh, it's back in um, Salt Lake. Okay. I'd say this, like when I, before I started Uncharted, I used to sneak into that show cause I loved it. I uh, loved the product. I wanted to be in that industry. Uh, I, I loved walking around, um, anymore. It's, it's gotten very small. Um, what's interesting is the hunting shows I go to shot show, uh, uh Western hunt expo are bursting at the seams, wow. but that outdoor retail show has definitely uh, maybe a 10th as big as it used to be. Really? Um, okay. And there's some other ones that are happening now. There's a thing called big gear show that was uh. in uh, deer Valley here last year. Oh, wow. I, I don't know what the future is there. Yeah. Um, interesting. but I think it's interesting that while hunting and outdoors are so similar, hunting is exploding and, and the outdoor products is, is really not. Oh, so. that's, that's interesting. I hadn't really thought about it in those terms, but yeah, those shows shot love shot, obviously. Shot is huge. Um, and I, I started going 2003, I think was my first one. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, the room for tactical was maybe uh, four times the size of this thing we're in now. That was the tactical that was it. side. Yeah. Everything else was, was, it was all hunting, fishing. And then the tactical side, very small, even in 2003. And that's a couple of years into the war, obviously. Yeah. Um, but then by the next year it had exploded. And now obviously most of it is, there seems like it is anyway, the, uh, the, the tactical side of the house. Um, that's the look and the feel when you go into that. Very um, much. And uh, it's a great show. I love that. And they, so many friends uh, in that industry, you know, well before I was an author or anything. Um, but uh, just personal relationships, testing mm-hmm. out some gear here and there. You're just kind of kindred spirits because you, um, you're you into that sort of a thing. And yep. I always wanted to see what the private sector was doing that I could um, could use or we could use on the battlefield that might give right. us an advantage over the enemy. So I was always there for, for that purpose and then started going to uh, DSC and SCI uh, as I started getting ready to get out of the of the military um, and uh, doing more of the hunting with the family and, and that sort of thing, making yeah. that, that, that transition, I guess. But uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of crossover between military stuff and the hunting world. If you think of it in those terms of, you know, we're putting together a pattern of life uh, overseas for uh, a certain uh, high value individual that you're tracking down. And it's the same thing as patterning an animal with uh, game cameras or, or whatever else. I mean, yep. You're, yep. you're essentially figuring out that, that pattern of life and, uh, setting up at a, a good time and place to, uh, to, to end it. Um, <laughs> so there's a lot of, uh, a lot of similarities and there have been from the, from yeah. the beginning, from the beginning of were time. You, were you just in Hawaii? Did I see that? Yeah. We went out there, uh, didn't do any hunting this time. Oh, we went okay. to, uh, Oahu, our littlest, uh, youngest, um, is 12 and he'd never been to Pearl Harbor. Um, oh, cool. so we went to Pearl Harbor, cool. uh, went to the USS Missouri where the Japanese surrendered, uh, on the deck and then went to, uh, the USS Bofin, which is right there too, which is a world war II submarine. So I got to walk through there. He went with a little buddy of his from his class. So in school, so they got to, to run around in, in Hawaii for a little bit, but we did a full day at, uh, at Pearl Harbor, went out to the Memorial and then went up to Punchbowl National Cemetery up there. And, uh, his great grandfather's name, my grandfather's name is on the MIA wall up there from world oh, war wow. two. So wow. he got to see that for the first time. So we didn't, uh, didn't make it out to Lanai to go uh, hunting. I want to hunt Maui at some point. Cause I've only hunted, uh, Lanai, um, because of pineapple brothers. Cause I'm a partner in there. It just makes sense to, to go there. And it's so, so great. And mm-hmm. it's relaxing and kind of a different hunting experience hunting out of the four seasons. I hunted little, Maui little last year. Yeah. 
Lanai was just a little out of my reach at the time. But, uh, <laughs> it's on the bucket list, man. What yeah. a what a beautiful place. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I love Hawaii. I love how all the islands are have a, a different personality. Yeah, like they're a different yeah. different character. Maybe the best better way to to say it. Uh, whether it's the temperate zones or just a different feel, and it's so cool that they're all obviously so close, but all yet so different. Um, so I really I love love the islands. So I think we'll get we'll get back out there again soon. I think we're gonna go sure. to Lanai in a few months. I think that's on the calendar. Cool. So get Such some a more, great place. get some more access in the in the freezer, man. I'm out, so I'm, I'm pining. Oh, know? really? Oh, yeah, no, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. Yes. I love uh, I love going out there and uh, coming back with the axis. That axis uh, backstrap and tenderloin is hard to beat. Yeah, yeah, it is so good. Hard so to good. beat. But there's like the hunting culture in Hawaii is also, you know, very ingrained um, out there, and it's uh, it's really cool to. I, that's what I love about going these different places, especially with the, with the kids nowadays, is they get to experience these different hunting cultures. Um, we went to, to, um, uh, to Africa a couple of years ago. Cause I went out there as part of my research for, uh, some of it made it into true believer and then some of it made it into savage son. So that second and third novel. And I went out there to help train up an anti-poaching unit out there and learn about tracking. Um, but for the most part, learning the backgrounds of these guys who are now part of these poaching anti-poaching units, incredible. It is because they were older most all of them were older, so they caught the tail end of the bush wars. Um, then they were brought in to do what, what we'd essentially think of as CSI um, here in the United States. Um, but over there, they took that, what they'd grown up hunting, then they apply that to man tracking at the yep. end of the bush wars. Yeah. And then they took that and applied that in an urban setting, like the psychological side of tracking. Yeah. Uh, hey, there's a murder here. Uh, okay. Who is it? Where would they have gone? Where would they have stashed this? Why would they have done it? So they got to apply that side to yep. it. And then they kind of aged out of that. And now these guys were part of these anti-poaching units. So got to go over there and do that. So as a thank you for that, they invited me back with the family. Cool. So cool. we came back that's uh, that summer right before COVID. So summer of 2019 and have a really cool picture of my, my son jumped out of the back of one of the, the trucks and uh, one of the land cruisers and put his uh, in the sand, put his, his handprint there right next to a lion. Yeah. And so it's like this tiny, this tiny little handprint next to this huge lion paw. And that's uh, a really cool uh, picture. Um, but I love that they got to see just how you use those animals in Africa. Like how they use every single part. We think we're pretty good here, you know, getting the meat, uh, you know, packing things out and all that stuff. But when you see exactly what they do in Africa and how they make use of every single part oh, of that incredible. animal, yeah. it's really cool. And it's cool for the kids to, to see that and hopefully appreciate uh, some of the things that, we have over here. Um, I was just, I was just yeah. in South Africa for two weeks and um, spent some time with the anti-poaching groups over mm. there too. And it, like you're talking about crime scene type stuff. Yeah. They were telling me how like they had used DNA recognition oh, wow. uh, from an animal's perspective. Right. So they yeah. found things that had been made from the animal, took the DNA, tracked it back to the guys who were oh, selling wow. it and knew that they had killed the animal because yeah. they had a DNA sample from five years earlier. Wow. So it's, you don't think about stuff like that. <laughs> That's right? wild. But pretty interesting. And we were, we were actually in a, a spot near Kruger and uh, I was bow hunting and, you know, walking over lion tracks and tiptoeing. There was these three rhinos I kept kind of bumping into. And I, I learned that like last week, two of them were shot by poachers actually. So they had oh, gone, wow. I can't remember it was a thousand or 1500 days without any poaching wow. success or whatever, you know, poacher yeah. getting an animal and they, they killed two of these rhinos. Um, so I'm, I'm working with them to do kind of a GoFundMe and raise some money because okay. what I found is, they need money more than anything. And, yeah. and, um, COVID really cut, cut their budgets. Uh, and then the, the lack of importing like elephant trophies into the U S like people, 
I know people don't like elephant hunting, but there's a ton of elephants over there. And that was a big way to make money for the anti-poaching group. So yeah. it's um, so weird how the narratives got just kind of hijacked on that sort of a thing yeah. uh, to the detriment of the people that live there in these places right. that right. have elephants coming through trampling crops or whatever, whatever it might be. Um, and then how much like, like, like I haven't, haven't done that, but watching a show that portrays it in a thoughtful way yeah. and shows just how much of that, anim- how much all of that animal all getting of used by these villages. And it's a problem. Uh, and it's, it's eating crops, it's trampling crops, whatever it might be, because all you hear over here is that endangered, and just how bad it is and it's how it's it's just, you don't hear about trampling of crops and having to kill these animals where, where uh, i was they said there just, was twenty six thousand too many elephants twenty six thousand too many wow that's a lot of meat moving around that you is. know like we would pull into these areas where it, it literally looked like a tornado went through yeah. as the herd had come through and just knocked over all the trees and of yeah. course and that you know that creates problems with runoff and, and it's just it needs to be managed I mean, that's just it the reality is, of it. It is so wild how you have, let's say, people here. And for uh, for a soft tar- target, I'll choose New York and L.A. Um, <laughs> who uh, s- Sitting down over a latte, you know, talking about uh, the great success of, you know, not, not being able to import whatever it might be, you know, yeah. or some sort of an anti-hunting yeah. crusade. And then, uh, you know. They're the first people if they have a uh, or see a roach in their apartment that is calling uh, a rat. How about that in New York? Kill them all. Kill, uh, bring them yeah. in. Fumigate the house. Go and put the traps out. You know whatever it might be. Yet you've never been to this area, yeah. and you're making decisions uh, because of a a, a narrative, narrative that you have not investigated. You've just retweeted essentially. Uh, haven't really looked into it. Haven't put the requisite time, energy, and effort into understanding that area of the world. Uh, but you think you know what's best for a villager living right. in uh, Mozambique uh, who needs to feed their family, right. who right. is uh, now has a problem with uh, I don't know, elephants, lion, uh, crocodile, whatever it is. Whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, going down to the river and getting eaten by a crocodile. Uh, hey, lions are walking by and guess what? The wall's not like this, no, no. you know, or it could be. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, Baron. Right. Um, but uh, you're making to say, you know, maybe, maybe in some places it is thatch still. Yep. Yep. And, uh, and there's a, a lion that needs to go away uh, because it's killed six of your cows or whatever it is. And that's your livelihood, those cows. Right. And so what are you going to do is if you're that villager in Africa who had, there's a lion killed six of your cows, your wife's going out there to get water in the morning uh, and there's someone in New York or LA having a latte that is uh, <laughs> voting on something that's going to detrimentally affect your life in that area of the world. It's kind of interesting. Tough. We live in such a headline driven culture. And the only way to really understand something is I believe to immerse yourself in it. Right. This yeah. is part of the reason I go on these hunts. Like I, I want to go out with those Zulu trackers and understand how they live and how they think about it. And um, yeah, I mean, I mean, every animal we hunted on this last trip, um, we ate it and then it became food for the camp and for the next group coming yeah. in. Every piece got used every and piece gets used. it's, it's all managed. They know exactly how many they need to, you know, harvest every year. And it, yeah, it bothers me when you, to your point, when you're at a coffee shop and overhear somebody that is just so disconnected and wrong, yeah. you know? And, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's an unfortunate reality of the world we live in, but yeah, not everybody can travel to the, Mozambique, going to the bush, spend a couple of weeks, you know, but you can read, 
Um, yeah. anybody yeah. can, can read, uh, there are public libraries across the country, <laughs> um, and you can go in and you can explore these areas and what's going on there and the why behind certain decisions, the history behind, uh, certain decisions, the history of the culture, the history, like it's out there yep. and you can go, or you can just retweet something and go back to your latte. And, uh, <laughs> right. that seems to be what, what most people do, which is what, uh, which is what is probably the most frightening part of, uh, when I think about the future is uh is that right there is people not putting the requisite time energy and effort into studying something and instead just seeing a tweet watching a 15 second video and then making a decision that's going to impact future generations yep. based on 15 seconds or based on a headline uh that is uh obviously manipulative in nature yep. um that was its intent and guess what you got manipulated. Yeah. Um, yep. So. And it's easy to be manipula manipulated. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, it's just. That's why you have to be aware. It's such I an echo chamber. It. Yeah. You, you have, to, you have to seek out the mm -hmm. right answers and talk to. I mean, that's why I like podcasts like yours and Rogan. And I like people that are in search of the truth and mm -hmm. trying to figure it out. And at least it makes you realize there might be two sides to a conversation. And I, I think that's like some of the most important things happening right now is just giving people two sides of a coin because boy, it feels like our media and what's happened lately with Tucker being fired and, or whatever mm. and all this stuff. It's like, you really wonder what's going on there. You know, um, yeah. there's a lot of control with the narrative that is not for our best interest in my opinion. This is Jack Carr, and I want to talk to you about Schnee's boots. If you followed me for a while, you know what a big fan I am. This pair right here is the same pair that I have been wearing for over a decade now, and these are the ones that I wear when I want to come out heavier than I went in on a backcountry hunt. So I uh, love these things. They are absolutely awesome. And I have a bunch of different kinds of boots. They're pack boots. Um, and so go check them out at schnees.com, S-C-H-N-E-E-S.com. Schnee's Mountain Boots are handmade in their Italian factory located in the foothills of the Italian Alps. Each boot is made from the absolute highest quality materials available, from the fine leathers to heavy-duty hardware and Vibram outsoles. They only sell direct to you without the middleman markup. This means they can put higher quality materials and craftsmanship in every boot, so you get more boot for your money. They are also all backed by Schnee's industry-leading customer service and support. When you call them, you'll talk to someone right there in Montana that actually wears the boots. So be sure and give them a call. They have a lot of options out there. Find the right boot for you. Definitely check them out. If you head over to Schnee's.com, S-C-H-N-E-E-S.com, you can score up to 30% off your new pair of mountain boots. You heard that right. You can save 30% off any pair of regularly priced Schnee's mountain boots. Use promo code Jack 23, J-A-C-K 23. That's Schnee's.com, S-C-H-N-E-E-S.com. Jack 23 is the promo code. Enjoy those boots. I'm going to say this now because this is coming out in a month. Mm -hmm. So this is going to force me to do what I've been meaning to do for the last uh, few years is to uh, go and get uh, sets of encyclopedias mm. from the 20s, like 1925, 1935, 1945, 55, so 65. Things are getting removed. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and have those. I've been meaning to do it for the longest time. I just need to do it. Um, so now I'll do it. And uh, I, have a, I, have, I remember growing up, I loved those. Mm -hmm. I loved those. And I remember when we got a new set. Yep. Um, but we turned the other one, gave the other ones to the local library, I think. Um, but we got a new set. But we should have held on to that old set. I, I remember the color. I remember it was like this burgundy type of a color. <laughs> yeah, we got and I'd the go same in ones. there and I'd look at World 
War II, you know, it was probably from the so 70s. in color. I bet, it, I bet it was the 1970s version, I would guess. I don't think 60s, but I think 70s. Um, but I'd go back there and I'd look at World War II and World War One and Civil War and Revolutionary War, and I'd just go through all those. I loved it. Then we got the new ones, and the new ones in the 80s were blue. I remember the, they were blue, mm-hmm. and those, those came. So I want to get uh, all those because now, yeah, things might start to Isn't that shift. wild? Or disappear. Yeah. Um, uh, so you got to get the hard copies, I think. I remember those encyclopedia salesmen. They're like college kids or something, right? They'd come out to the farm. And I remember my mom having nice. us all sit on the picnic table. And I'm going to spend all this money on you guys. And we're going to buy all these books. Yeah, they weren't inexpensive, I don't think. No, I think it was a big investment. I think it was serious. I really I appreciate now more my yeah. parents spending on that. That was a big investment for a, a, a normal family right. back then. Right. Um, it was a big deal. I remember that's why it was every 10 years, 20 years, you would yeah. get a new get set. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, Oh, hey, there's an update today. You know, uh, yeah. it's like, but Hey, who, who did that update? Why did they do that update? What's changed here? So I want to do that so I can go back and I can look at uh, how something was framed in 1955 uh, or 45, whatever it might be. And then look at it today and kind of compare the two or definitions and dictionaries also. So I have my old, I have old dictionaries um, and I like to look at the uh, different definitions and how they've shifted over time. That's sort of a thing. Like, look, look what this meant in 1985. Wait a sec. What, look what it means today. Interesting. It seems Why? like a good AI project to like send chat GPT <sighs> off on finding all the differences. So you oh, they'll a- probably just target you for assassination <laughs> right away. Uh-huh. We have a free thinker here. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Insurrectionist. Uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. You're going on a list. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm already on lists. I mean, but that, that's, that's, that, that part is scary. Um, but, uh, but I, yeah, I think we would be a much better country if we put the time if we stopped tweeting and started reading and just people would put more time into these things before they let themselves get manipulated or just hey my tribe is doing this um so i'm 100 percent behind it so the other side must be wrong my side must be right whatever because it just you know who does that benefit well benefits politicians and it probably benefits the social media company that is also getting you to take this action to pop up their ad and right. back in the day but now it's to manipulate behavior and thought uh it's moved on from advertising although it's obviously still a huge part of it but it's uh, now manipulates behavior and thought so if somebody's listening at home let me flip that back on you like where are your sources of truth like where where would you direct people library books history mm-hmm. first stop history um because now you have a foundation from which to make a decision sure going forward um so that's i think rather than just look at oh a current event an article a new article yeah. um it's uh back in the pages of history and historical fiction is a great way to get introduced to history because it's so readable yeah. less dry um so the killer angels uh, gettysburg you mm-hmm. want to learn about gettysburg killer angels um uh the book i one of the my five top recommended books is once an eagle by anton meyer and it follows two guys from before world war one up until vietnam two uh, guys in the military one gets a battlefield commission he's enlisted gets a battlefield commission uh in world war one the other guy is already an officer and he's always like one step ahead of that guy the battlefield leader they got that battlefield commission Huh. Uh, he's like the political animal. Um, and, uh, the other guy, his name is Sam Damon is the, uh, that battlefield leader. Um, I used to give it to my guys, uh, that were just starting out their, their time in the military and write a letter and put it in the front and then, uh, tell them why I was giving them this book. And then another one at the end that was sealed that they could only read after they finished it. Cause it's a thick book. Like you can use it as a doorstop or a weapon. Uh, all, all my top five actually are very thick. So yep. once an Eagle by Anton Meyer, uh, winds of war, worn remembrance, both by Herman woke and then, uh, Atlas shrug and the fountain head by Ayn Rand. Like those are my top five and all of them 
uh, can be used as weapons, <laughs> physical <laughs> weapons, I mean, because they're so thick. Um, but historical fiction is That's a good awesome. way to introduce people. The Winds of War, Warren Remembrance, both historical fiction showing the lead up to World War II and takes you through World War II in Warren Remembrance um, through the eyes of a family that's multi-generational. So yep. you learn so much about World War II and then you can go back and then maybe you can read some of that, uh, that, uh, that nonfiction stuff because this historical fiction spurred something in you to go back and look. But uh, really realizing what was sacrificed for us in this country from the inception of this nation up until today. Um, I think that history is kind of going away because there's so many distractions um, and uh, we're not really putting the thought into it yeah. that allows us to appreciate what was sacrificed. We can just say, oh, my side says this, um, need to, to censor this. We can't let the other side speak or we, uh, these, these, these guns are bad. Um, so ban them or, okay. Great. I spent a little more time going back in the pages of history to realize why we have these rights, why we have that First Amendment, why we have the Second Amendment. Um, and if you still come to the same conclusion, uh, no, all right, but at least you put in the time. Yep. And we're not making these decisions for us for right. the most part. It's for, for the, next generation. the next generation. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's the part that, uh, that uh, you know, hey, what can you do? Uh, it's, I, I hate to say it, but, you know, you hate saying losing battle, but uh, you're up against it. If you're that person that's putting the thought in and putting the time into the pages of the history books and, uh, yeah, things, uh, things have already shifted or, uh, you're getting so many inputs from these, you're, you're up against it these days, especially if you're trying to instill, uh, that, uh, that attribute in your kids. Right. It's right. tough. Yeah. It's a lot to overcome, right? It's like a lot. an individual versus pretty much everything else they're seeing. It's a lot. Yeah. yeah. Are you going to use chat GPT for your, uh, for your business for like, uh, Hey, write an ad and see what it like, like is like, and then edit it or, Hey, write some copy for, for this, uh, new bag and have it be, uh, I don't know, 500 words and, uh, make sure it, uh, has it's cold weather survival or whatever it might be. Are you going to try to use it? I, I've been using it a little, uh -huh. um, more of a research perspective. Okay. So what I might do is, is be like, Hey, you know, to give me the, you know, the top 10 gasoline generators per like mm -hmm. consumer reviews and mm -hmm. what people like about them okay. as a, as a starting point for when people are talking about doing off the grid stuff. Right. Okay. And so instead of me going out and reading a hundred different websites and trying to figure out yeah. like, to me, that's a really factual, tangible thing that it can right. do quickly. That'll save me time. Yeah. Um, I, I think what I've, what I'm trying to figure out is, is how to use it better. Uh -huh. I, I think with everything you have to adapt to some extent and yeah. use the tools at hand. I, I'm never going to be somebody who's just completely handing everything over there. Oh, yeah. But I think that they're, you know, it's like, do you want to walk to town or take a car? You know, like mm -hmm. there, I think there's some ways to use it yeah. where you're still getting the same outcome that you would have got anyways. It's just being efficient and yeah. being a small business and being busy. I think that that's something you need to at least pay attention to and try. So yeah, that's yeah. how I'm using it right now. Yeah. I haven't used it yet. Um, somebody sent me a, uh, a chapter. They said, Hey, write the next Jack Carr, first chapter of the next Jack Carr novel <clears throat> or something like that. And it came out, it was, you know, it wasn't great. It was pretty good though. It wasn't, wasn't bad. It was kind of like, well, I sent you one. Know, Do you remember normal. that? I, I said, uh, did, uh, Jack Carr get AI right? Oh and, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, you did tell me that. That's right. What did, like, and what did it say? They wrote like three paragraphs where it's like, well, it's fiction, and uh, yeah, yeah. but some things, some things, you know, made sense, but some, you know, it's all, it's, yeah, it, yeah, that's right. It was, yeah, exactly. It was, it was kind of bland. It was really bland. Same but, with this, and with yeah. this, it was like you could tell. Like in ten years, maybe you won't be able to tell, but it, gosh, in the creative space, um, I think. I think you'll be able to tell. Like I could tell because it's me, obviously. Right. But uh, but it wasn't bad. I mean, it wasn't bad. It threw in, It had the wrong 
a couple wrong names and a couple wrong, like, anyway, it wasn't quite right. But right. in five years, it'll be pretty dang close. Oh. Um, but I'm thinking about the same thing as using it uh, as a research assistant. Mm-hmm. So instead of me doing that research, like you're talking about, exactly the same thing, saying yeah. like, hey, and having, I heard you have to give it, ac- I don't know if this is true or not, but someone told me that you had to give it access to like, kind of like TikTok, you give, have to give it access to everything because you hit that agree and it gets access to your phone and everything else, but that you, it gives you access to the other things on your computer for, I don't know if this is true, to chat GPT. So it kind of learns you and that's uh, interesting. So I don't know if that's true or not. I could, that's just what someone told me. So I believe that it is quite possibly true. So what yeah. I'm going to do is get a computer that is just for that. Just clean. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just for that to set it up. And that's like, uh, I don't know, my, uh, my, my Gideon or why the Oracle or whatever, and ask it some research questions and see if that helps, uh, from a time management perspective. If yep. I'm looking for something like, Hey, what, what's, uh, you know, uh, top 10 books on, um, you know, X, Y, or Z. Um, and then look at those and be like, okay. And then, you know, look at them. Oh, I remember that one. Okay. I'm going to, I need to get these or I need to get all 10 of these and go through them or, Hey, give me a, a, uh, five pages, uh, on the most, the easternmost battle of world war two and were there snipers in that battle? Right. Um, and what were, what were their names? What awards did they get? What are they, you know, that sort of a thing. Um, and see what pops out, just kind of test it yep. just to see yep. if it'll be and make things more, more efficient. It's my understanding is it's still making things up a lot of times. <laughs> like I've heard a lot of people like, I put yeah, this stuff in and it just, it just kind of gives you an answer and it, um, you know, I've heard that it's, oh, it's scary how fast it's progressing, I yeah. think. Um, and I don't know where it goes. I mean, you can't just, you can't put your heels in the sand and just do nothing with it. But, um, you know, I think the most important thing is to understand it, to use it in a, a authentic way or a reasonable way, yeah. you know, like I'm not going to make it the voice of my company in right. any way like that, <laughs> but, right. but there's some things I think that help you kind of move faster. So right. it's, it's interesting. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll look into it or maybe for this next, uh, maybe for this next book or something like that, I'll look into it just yeah. for, from our, for like a research assistant, the same thing that you would ask if you had a research assistant, which exactly. I don't, um, kind of the same type of types of questions, uh, but instead give it to, to chat GPT and see what, what pops out. Um, and then look at it through the eye of, is this thing trying to manipulate me? Um, right. you always have that question there. Is there, what is this thing trying to do? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that'll, well, we shall, we shall see. But, um, what, uh, what product of yours is the, uh, do you have a bestseller? <clears throat> um, I've got a couple of the top. So the, the Zeus does really well. The battery okay. jump starter we talked about, we've got a first aid kit called the first aid plus, which is a completely waterproof it's first aid. So when we, like I said, we like to try to do things different. It's a, it's a very robust first aid kit that also has a multi-tool and matches and a flashlight and duct tape and wire uh, and, you know, gear repair stuff. And nice. it's, it's got a Molly backer and a Velcro rip away that that's been a really great seller at retail. Cause I think okay. you go in and look at first aid kits and that thing just is way better than what's out there. Yeah. So those two do well, our survival kits do well, but they also do much better when there's a hurricane <laughs> or Kim Jong-un yeah. threatens something oh, or geez, Putin or, says or something. COVID hits. Uh, yeah, yeah. COVID hits. Yeah. So Jeez. those are a little more spiky, but yeah, it, it, it's interesting. We've got a handful of products now that kind of continue to do really well every day. And you know, that's the challenge is keep coming up with interesting solutions to things that, that uh, resonate with customers and, and make a difference. So yeah. that's what I think about a lot. 
Got it. Got it. Well, I want to go through a few of these uh, of these things in the in the gear review, so people can get an idea of what awesome. we've been. Thank uh, you. Of course, of course, if we get an idea of what we've been uh, talking about. But uh, also, are you shooting these PSE these days? What are you shooting in bow? <laughs> yeah, we were talking about that. I, I've, I've I've shot them all. I, I you know I had a Matthews. I love that. Did well with that. I, I've had a couple Hoyts. I love those. And then um, before South Africa, I, I went with the Field Ethos, and they work with PSE. And said, hey, you want to take one and try it and. Um, that has quickly become my favorite bow ever, the Mach yeah. 34. So it's, I've got like an 83 pound draw on it, but it's got a Dang. 90% let off and it's got these EC2 cams, which are, are, are pretty mellow. I guess there's three different cams you can have okay. and I've got the least aggressive one, Okay, but, um, you know, I, I, I got that thing in a week later, later I, I shot four animals with four arrows and, um, wow. it's just, it's nice, man. It's an, it's, yeah. it's a great bow. It's super lightweight. And the reality is, man, everybody's making great stuff, but exactly. I, I like the PSCs yeah. made in America. Like that's, that's important to me if, mm-hmm. if you have that option. And, um, you know, I like working with my friends. I know some of the guys over there and, um, I know how valued it is for me when somebody like you sheds light on my brand. It, it means a lot. So yeah. I, if I can return the favor in any way, I'm always there to do it. So, yeah. um, uh, yeah, shooting the PSE Mach 34 and got that Garmin site on there, which I, I oh, love because okay. I, I hunt alone a lot for people that don't know this is a range finding site. So is that legal in every state or some that are not legal? It's, in, it's right? not legal in every state. It's, yeah. it's legal here. Okay. Uh, that might change in the next couple of years is what okay. I'm hearing, but it's, you know, typically you got to pull up the range finder and range, then dial your scope and then uh-huh. draw back. And you know, that guy, what I've, I've learned to do is if there's an elk or an animal moving in, I, I get to full draw and then I can range at full draw. So there's less uh-huh. motion. The animal doesn't see me. Interesting. And when you're alone, it, it, I, I don't know if I would have shot the three bull elk I've shot in the last three years yeah. if I was doing something different because right. I was able to stay completely still and okay. just hold it and, and, and get the job done. So yeah. um, that's my setup. I love it. I'm obsessed. It's, yeah. It's, I would say it's dude yoga. You know, you go yeah. out there and you can't think about anything else. And, oh, yeah. Uh, I know you got to come back up in the, when the snow melts because everything is under. I saw the antlers from my moose out there. <laughs> they, they've broken through the snow now. And that's so, a full-size moose, by the way. Full-size moose. Um, yeah, I want to get some game cams up because on this hill over here I have uh, – Three elk on the hill over here, and uh, they survived last. Uh, they survived the summer, so uh, in the fall. And I thought they'd get destroyed by the elk moving through. I thought you know someone would come up. Oh, and foam, ch- foam elk challenge. Yeah, oh. exactly. Three Ds. <laughs> and uh, so I thought the elk would come through and like challenge yeah. or whatever, and then destroy it. But they, you know, they made it through the fall. Now they're under snow. But I want to get some uh, some game cams on them just to see what comes through and see if uh, any uh, any elk or moose or whatever are interested at least in uh, in these things. Because I think yeah, I've heard of uh, them coming through and destroying some. Uh, I've seen some that with tails a lot. Yeah. yeah, they come up and be one up or turkeys or yeah so i want to get some of those out there and uh and get some more some more cameras up fun living out here isn't it it's just it is it's wild and i have yeah multiple bows now so that uh like we walk into i just want to walk out of any spot like there's one to go to um (laughs) so there's uh yeah i got a couple hoyts now the psc uh matthews but really what i tell people is you know kind of like supporting that local independent bookstore support that local independent archery shop for sure go in there and uh talk to the people there and try out a few different things and see what feels best to you because what works for me might not be the best for you and um and uh and you support them and that knowledge base and uh and then get a great bow set up out of it and um and then go and go and use it but uh but yeah 
around here we can do a little walk and and put the we have got my own total archery challenge out here now which is that's awesome which is man. Nice. if i'm <laughs> jealous nice. of anything it's that it's your uh, it's your archery uh, range out it's here. fun but the kids do it too so we have a whole family we have oh, a, that's cool. the whole family got uh got hoyts um so our little guy has one daughter has one my wife has one i have a couple and uh and so we can just go out and shoot as a family awesome uh, well as soon as the snow melts anyway right. um the Gray from total archery challenge came up and you know put a bunch of like different different angles different distances you know set them up where they make sense and um so it was really cool of him to to do that that's kind of like getting tiger woods to design your golf course right? seriously sean up here to do that it really is yeah. he's a good guy it really is yeah. and, uh, <laughs> it was so it was awesome so um uh yeah as soon as everything everything melts away let's get back up here and i'm and, in uh, we can do a kick get a little hike get a little exercise take the dogs out and sling some sling some arrows in preparation for the the fall i love it um what do you have on the books for the fall well, uh, Utah archery yeah. hunt for sure. Um, there, there's been some talk of maybe Argentina, New Zealand, um, with some stag type stuff. I know the roar is going on right now, so probably wouldn't be around that, but, um, you know, I just got back from South Africa, hunted Texas and Hawaii in the last, you know, six or seven months. And, um, a lot of times these things just kind of pop up, yeah. right? It's like, Hey man, there's an opportunity yeah. and, um, I'm fortunate to be, you know, getting to be friends with a lot of guys in the hunting industry yeah. and, and things happen. So I just, I just make sure I'm always shooting and always ready to always go. Right. Right. You know, I work with Christensen arms, so rifle and bow and. Oh yeah. I got a couple um, of those in there in there safe too. Do. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I need to set them up. I need to get some glass on there. I've been so busy. I haven't had a chance to put glass on them Which yet. Which ones do you have? But, uh, got their AR looking one. I don't know the names of them. CAA556. Is it that one? Or they have a couple. Yeah. I've got a couple sure. of those. And, yeah. um, they I look used, awesome though. I have a Ridgeline. Like I took That's a, it. I got a Ridgeline. Ridgeline with the new lightweight FFT stock mm -hmm. on it. So three hundred okay. mag is what I took to Africa and okay. um, just a great gun. That gun is as you know killed a grizzly and a moose and a bunch of deer and nice. elk and uh, now a kudu and a zebra nice. and that three hundred mag round is is pretty nice. So it's hard uh, to beat. I it mean, is. It's hard to be, especially if you're used to it. And like, it, like, I came up in the SEAL teams as a sniper shooting that round, so I just feel very comfortable with yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but uh, a bunch of other calibers too. But I, that's the one I just kind of know. I just feel like a, a kinship with that. Uh, with that, you can round. find it anywhere too. Yeah. You know, exactly. like six five PRC might be tough to find. Right. You're passing some, through some town in the middle yeah. of nowhere, and you you need something. Um, but yeah, I didn't get those Christians and arms out and awesome. get some glass on them. And, uh, and then side them in and get them ready to, ready to rock. Um, but yeah, I think, I'm, I think this fall might be a wash. I mean, if I get out, I think I'll get out to Colorado for elk with the family. Um, is now it's more about that rather than me zipping off. Uh, we'll be filming for this next series. So I think, uh, it's going to be overseas. So I'll have that. So I don't think I can come home from uh, two or three weeks, uh, overseas, come home and leave the next day yeah. on uh, you know, a 10 day hunt or whatever. Um, I think it's, yeah, probably well, going to be, if I go, it'll be with the family and we'll jump in the, in the truck and head out to, uh, to Colorado or something like if that. If you get a random day or two, just shoot me a text and I'll get the truck packed and pick nice. you up and we'll go up to the Uintas. And okay. I got a couple probably of should do that. Cause I've been so busy while I'm here. I've, yeah. I've hunted, uh, just down the road, uh, here, uh, very close by at a great, great elk. Um, but, uh, I'm just going so hard all the time Seems that I like haven't, uh, haven't really taken advantage of Utah as a hunting state. And man, I, I've been lucky to hunt a lot of places, but Utah in late September, 
Yeah. It's kind of hard to beat in my opinion. Yeah. That's... I can practice calling here cause they elk are right here and you're hearing them, you know, every night, oh, uh, which man. is really cool. So, so cool. I need to practice. Yeah. I need to practice the Turkey call here. Although they're, they'd essentially be town turkeys cause they're very safe. So you saw them on the way in. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, there's 200 turkeys out here that are not afraid of anything. Nope. Uh, so, uh, so I don't know if anyway, I can try practice. Uh, I can practice calling turkeys and then also, uh, I bring, re- I bring reeds with on my trail runs in the fall because so many places where I run, the herds are, you know, okay. and you'll be running and like, oh, is that a, yeah. a bull? Let's see if I can see pull them in, it. you know? Yep. And it's, I need to do that. I need to go fun. on, the, on, the, on the, the deck out there with a glass of wine or some, <laughs> some whiskey and just practice, you know, and just yeah. see, and see what happens. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that, I, need, I need to add that to, uh, to my, my nightly routine. What a place to live, routine. man. Blessed. Yeah, I feel very, very awesome. fortunate. Very fortunate to be here. Super cool. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, let's, um, let's grab some of this gear and go over it. And, uh, I want to see what new stuff you have as well. Sure. And, uh, and we'll do that, but man, thanks so much for coming on today. I really appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what the, what the future holds for, uh, for you and the company. Thank you. And, uh, we need to get out and do some, um, some more skiing next year. Gosh, there's always so much going on, but we need to get up and, uh, and, and do some more, do some more early morning climbs and skis. And ready then, ready uh, when you are, man. Yeah, I know you're busy, <laughs> but uh, it's always fun. And thanks so much for having me and Baron, of course. Yes, uh, Baron. Look at that. Look at Baron is just out. Scout. This is Scout's usual chill time. But she's so excited to have somebody else that's gonna <laughs> gonna pet her. You know, uh, she just yeah. loves it. So, yeah. uh, thanks, man. You bet. Thanks. All right. Today's episode is also brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee Company. Grab a can of Black Rifle Coffee's ready to drink the perfect balance of quality and convenience. If you want a Spartan level caffeine kick, try ready to drink 300 available in salted caramel, vanilla bomb, and more made with an electrifying blend of MCT oil and amino acids. Ready to drink 300 packs, a caffeine punch that'll supercharge your day. Ready to drink is perfect. If you need your coffee quick and shopping with Black Rifle Coffee helps give back to the veterans and first responders who serve our nation. You can stock up on cans at blackriflecoffee.com or grab an ice cold can at a convenience store near you. You can stock up at blackriflecoffee.com slash dangerclose and use code dangerclose 20 at checkout for 20% off your purchase and your first coffee club order. BlackRifleCoffee.com slash DangerClose for 20% off. All right, here we are, the gear highlight segment of the Danger Close podcast here with Christian Schof of Uncharted Supply Company. Yeah. And Christian, what's, uh, what do we have here? This is just a bag. This yeah. is just the bag right here. What's, what's going on with this bag? Yeah, we just launched that. We call that the vault. So, you know, the thing is, is like we got survival kits and they're pretty full. But okay. as you mentioned earlier, you might have puffy coats, socks, things like that. Yep. Like, how do you keep that stuff compressed and together and dry? So I wanted to build like a really durable duffel bag. So it's a 65 liter duffel bag. It's got a cool little air valve on it. So, you know, you fill it up with puffy coats, yeah. you can pu- you know, push that right thing down, let the air out, okay. takes up like a lot less space, okay. right? Oh, nice. The other cool feature is maybe you got some delicate stuff in there. You can fill it up with air and use it as kind of cushion if you're stacking okay. it. It'll hold water. Um, one of my favorite features is it's got backpack straps. Yeah. But there's all these attachment points, right? So like when we go on those hut trips, um, I'll pack all my gear in this, strap it to my snowmobile tunnel, and you can just use these same straps to stare up and down. So it's it's just a really diverse, nice gear carrier, you know? And it's about 100 and 
50, 160 bucks. Yeah. So price is right. Um, that one has been through South Africa and New York and Jacksonville, Florida in the last three or four weeks. So, okay. it, you know, they hold up. They're, they're Mo- doing well. Most dangerous place there is New York. No <laughs> it's not wrong. No doubt about that it. Okay. Wrong. So we got that bag right yeah, here. Yeah. And then, uh, well, actually, before we get to this one, yeah. what is this? Talk to me about uh, what's going on with this because you just launched it today. So by the time this comes out, it'll be, it'll been out for a month or two. Uh, so what is going on? Yeah, with this? so the whole idea we talked about this earlier. Uh, Baron, when he cut his leg, I actually had this with, which is a, I call this the triage kit. So okay. it's first aid gear repair, 130 grams. You know, a lot of people have first aid kits, but they got it in their car. Yeah, and. I wanted people to have something on them because that's when you need it, right? So ultra lightweight, and I basically saved him with this. We took a lot of learnings from this and built a first aid kit for a dog collar. Mm-hmm. Again, most people have dog first aid kits, but they're at home or they're in their car. And dogs get into stuff all the time, as we saw during that whole podcast. So yeah. it's like it's a military-grade nylon. It's got a really yeah, cool fidlock magnetic, magnetic buckle. Oh, nice. It's got a handle on it. And then everything in here is for, like, cuts and bites and, you know, porcupines, that kind of stuff. So obviously it's not a full first aid kit that's going to solve everything, but my goal always is can you fix the problem enough to get to the next stage, which is maybe your truck and then your truck gets you to the vet. So um, super light. You know, we spent a lot of time in this. One best in show at Outdoor Retailer. Awesome. It's kind of a unique product, right? Like nobody's ever done anything like this. But again, like I said earlier, my goal is to kind of think about like a better application of things, and I I think it's going to do pretty well. So Yeah, you put this on Scout earlier, and it's pretty cool because it's not – you know, huge. It's not like you're wearing. It doesn't look a, like a St. Bernard yeah. with a whiskey no, no. flask. Exactly. Or something. It, it, Which might be useful. I need to look into. Maybe look into that too. <laughs> some sort of a uh, yeah, yeah, bourbon whiskey, whatever, in a, in a little flask. I probably need to look into that. But this right here, it's uh, it what it's not huge. You know, no. it fits just, it fit perfect on her. Dogs don't mind it. You know, we we actually won best in show with a prototype that was a lot okay. bigger and. We were going to launch it, and I was like, you know, I, I, I'm not satisfied with this. It, mm. it flops too much. It's too big on small dogs. Yeah. So it took us another year and a half to get here, oh, but wow. um, I think we're in a good form now, and it's it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, that's so, awesome. Yeah. Getting one of those right there. And is it, you still sell this one too? Yeah, we sell this one. We um, This is one of our better sellers. I, I love this thing. All my friends that are really professional, whether it's skiers or Olympians or guys like that, they, they get it, right? Mm-hmm. Like having a little bit of coverage, being able to move fast and stay lightweight. Um, I love this thing. Yeah, it's 70D it's parachute material. It's okay. got reflective you know, pieces on it. So if it's in your bag at night, you can find it quickly. Clear instructions. Um, just a nice kit to have on you. If I'm, yeah. if I'm elk hunting, that's in my pocket. If I'm mountain biking, it's in my pocket, you know? Got so um, really great little lightweight kit. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I have things scattered all over the place and all the bags <laughs> and all the cars, you know, right, right. platform stuff in the cars and then, you know, smaller stuff obviously in the, the backpacks. Did you see that video of the, um, the Hawaiian Airlines flight on the way to Hawaii about a month ago? No. Lost, I guess, lost altitude or whatever else and just really messing people up and the video from it as I heard about it and then I saw the video just a couple of days ago and people were pretty messed up in there. Oh man. Um, but uh, so I always carry a little first aid kit when I'm traveling on the plane. I always have my uh, my tourniquet with me. But uh, sometimes that, it doesn't yeah. take much, right? Yeah. It's just having kind of the right stuff at the right time. Nice so. to have. For yeah. Sure. And then on the other and side of right things, here. Yeah, okay. we have like four first aid kits. We call this a first aid plus. So what this is is again it's a it's a big first aid kit. Well, it's not pull, huge. I mean it's pull, definitely not huge. That's true, that's true. But it's, it's our biggest one. Sling. You just gotta pull hard when they're new they're a little tough. Yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, Waterproof zipper. Yeah, waterproof. But uh, the idea with this is a full kind of a nice first aid kit with some gear in the back. So you've got, you know, all the stuff on the front here of of 
everything from CPR kits, saline solution, shears, you know, metal tweezers, mm -hmm. gauze, all of that. All labeled, um, so you're not just All like, labeled, color you know, coordinated. And then if you turn to the back, the chem lights, nice. duct tape, multi-tool, flashlight. flashlight. Oh, that was a good one. That was a great A kit. lot of times, you know, you, you need a multi-tool and some duct tape to fix something yep. before an injury happens. So the idea there is just kind of a full service solution. But Yeah. Oh, that was a great kit. Yeah. yeah. Nice little awesome. kit to keep in a car. And, you know, the back, it's got some molly on it, so you can strap it to something. And that's got a Velcro tearaway, so you yeah. grab and go quickly. Yeah, snake bites right there. Pressure bandage, bam. Yep. I like how that's all that's all labored. That, that's that's, yep. pretty, that's solid. So that's right pretty there. cool, kid. Yeah, that's awesome. That's um, awesome. And we talked about this. Where's the Athena right here? Yeah, that's the Athena and then yeah. the Zeus here. So two different size battery jumpers. That one's got USB C and then it's got some shock, water, and dust protection to it. It's a little smaller, sixteen thousand milliamps, and this is twenty. Oh wow! But yeah. you know, for the size of these things, people are used to kind of those big boxes, right. you know, that you got to weigh. But like a friend of mine. She jumped her van 26 times before she had to what? recharge this, you know? So they, they just keep going. Um, there's, there's four batteries in this guy. So when you plug it in, there's eight shock protections. You can't do it wrong. You can't shock yourself. You can't, you know, spark it. Uh, but it turns all four batteries on at the same time, quadrupling the power. So they're just super powerful jump starters. And the idea is this just gets your engine turning. And then yeah. once your engine's turning, it can recharge your battery. Right. So, um, and this one charges here, like what a good phone yeah. and all that stuff. You got a too. flashlight, USB, USB micro, USB-C. So, um, you know, you can power your MacBook Pro with that too. So nice. if you're at an airport and the, you know, the plugins are all full, you can, yep. you can plug into that guy and go. So, yep. you know, we live in a digital world. We live in a world where we need electricity yep. and, um, it's a good way to kind of make sure you've always got it. Nice. So that's those guys. That is a I great guess all that's left here is the, the survival kits. You know, we've got three different sizes. The, this is 72 pros this is a two person. We also okay. have a one person I don't have here. And then we have this collaboration with Yeti, which we call the base camp, which is a four person. So, okay. You know, the goal with these guys is um, to have as wide a coverage as possible, right? You never know what's going to happen. So how do you how do you think about not knowing what's going to happen? And as you know, human bodies, they need to say, they need temperature regulation. You might need some first aid, some communication. Um, so we, we spent a lot of time working through this. What I, I'm going to set this guy in the yeah, camera yeah. and open this guy up. But uh, Yeah, so this is the 72, two people. 72 Pro, yeah, it's two people. So it's... It's waterproof. It'll float you. Um, you know, we've got these cool little uh, Hypalon straps inside that'll that'll hold like a uh, Goal Zero solar panel, and you can mm. put the battery in here so you can okay. be charging while you're walking. Um, what I like about our kits, though, is is really just the organization. So if you've never been outside before yeah. and something happens, you've got really clear step-by-step -step instructions. So and nice. then you can see that the first aid is red right there. Yep. If I open this guy up. You know, the first aid in here is red as well. So it's, yeah. I always tell people, like, if Look you're freaking out and you need first aid, you can eliminate everything else. Oh, right? man, hold this up. Let me see. The, so hold this up for the camera. Let me see. Your brain goes right, you can see right this right now. Aid. But, yeah, first aid, red, what, air and vision right here. You got yeah. power over here, lighters, matches, yeah. food, water, warmth, tools, all labeled. Yeah. That's nice. I mean, the idea is to get people making good decisions yeah. and calm down and start working in the right place instead of making a bad situation worse. So... That's what we think about, and everything in here is really high quality. I mean, when COVID hit, I sent an email to all of our customers saying, hey, just a reminder, you've got N99 masks already. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody's trying to find masks. We were thinking about that six years ago. So um, I'm, I'm really proud of the stuff. It, it does really well. Um, you know, we've, we've sold tens of thousands of these around the world, and wow. um, 
you know, my goal is to make the world a safer place. And I think this is a, a good part of that solution. Yeah, no, this is fantastic. So, what kind of bag does the, uh, the one person one come in? Uh, very similar, same material, just a little smaller. Is it the light, um, is it the light gray one? Yeah, the light okay. gray. So this is 16 pounds. The one person is 11 pounds. And if you, let's say you want to make this for three people, it, it wouldn't be hard to add a few more pieces. You right. Know? So, um, we try to do is keep things. One mistake people make is they, they take too much stuff, right? And then you're carrying yeah. 40 pounds and you're slow and you're sweaty and you're yeah. burning calories. So lightweight, effective, organized, um, kind of try to think about everything. Yeah. Stuff. No, this is fantastic. I'm going to get another one of these uh, for my daughter, for, for her car, for school. And uh, oh, too kind, too kind. <laughs> yeah, we'll get one because she's uh, going to go off to school here um, in August. Uh, she's pretty well prepared. You'll see that. that uh, I'm sure she yeah, is. <laughs> but but uh, it's cool just to have, you know, this like, hey, uh, where's this? Where's that? Oh, ev most everything I need is right here. Put it in there and off you go. We get so, you know, you get dragged in so many different directions yep, constantly. Yep. And it's just nice to know that, okay. Uh, this is a great solution. Oh, and I know that I've uh, stressed for time. The kids are yelling, the dog is barking, we're late, whatever it is. Yeah. I have this. Yeah. Like, I'm good. It's a break glass in case of emergency type of deal, right? Yeah. Love it. Love cool. it. Awesome, man. Awesome. That's well, it. thanks for, uh, thanks for sharing this. And it is, uh, is it uncharted supply code.com? What yes. is, okay. Yep. Uncharted supply code.com. And then you can link to all the social channels from there as well. Yep. Uh, also sign up for newsletter, all that sort of a thing. That's, that's the, uh, that's the best way to go. Those yeah. are all the, uh, the outlets or the platforms. We're, we're pretty findable. We spend a lot of money on online advertising. So mm -hmm. type in the 72 uncharted supply, my name, you're, you're going to find you're your gonna, way to find us. It. So yeah. That's, awesome. That's the name of the game. Awesome, brother. Thanks so much. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to the Danger Close podcast, an Ironclad original presented by Navy Federal Credit Union. My latest novel, Only the Dead, is on shelves right now. To find out more about Christian, be sure to follow him on Instagram at C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N-S-C-H-A-U-F. Also go to UnchartedSupplyCo.com. Follow them on Instagram as well at Uncharted Supply Co. You can follow me at Jack Carr USA on the social channels, officialjackcar.com. That is the website. Click in the upper right-hand corner on shop for the merch. And if you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to leave a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. Until the next time, take care out there. Stay safe, be strong, keep fighting. <laughs>